Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. How is the East Coast? You know, I wish it was colder. It's yeah. not a- yeah, yeah, you would be proud of me. No complaining on the cold over here. I want it to be colder. It has been mild out here, very mild. Well, look, it it helps with the cigar smoking, right? You don't you don't have to wear gloves while you're smoking cigars. I have been smoking a tremendous amount of cigars. I've been wearing my Knicks hat everywhere. In fact, I had someone who must have seen a video that I posted about like a victory cigar after the North Carolina game. Mm -hmm. And they tweeted me uh, a DM of a picture of them wearing the same hat in New York City. The Knicks hat. It's I guess it's the thing to do there. It is the thing to do. So we got a lot to cover today. We've got a great guest. But before we get into that, as always, Ward, we are sponsored by. No, dude, it's not sponsored by. No, we've never said that ever. You know, because I'm I'm, really think it was sponsored by. I've got a whole lot of stuff going on up here. You know what I mean? A million miles a minute up in this brain up in here. And I'm so excited that we have another sponsor tonight that's Uh what was going on in my mind that i just threw that in there seamlessly until you called me out for it and look we we have done 201 episodes (laughs) and in every one of them we have said powered by every single one not we me you you (laughs) and then you said sponsored by tonight as though that was normal. And then and then you you thought I was like you paused while I was telling you we're not sponsored by you had to think for a second why that was wrong. I mean, look, I think a lot of people have just been like, wow, that's impressive. After 200 times doing it the exact same way, he threw in a new word and and it was smooth as butter. Yeah, it was smooth as butter. Let's do it again. Okay. We are 
brought to you by. <laughs> Yes, we are sponsored, brought to you by, and powered by our friend, Evan Martin, the Martin family, and Community Cars. Look, man, you're going to buy a car? There's only one place to do it, and I don't care what city you're in, what state you're in. Again, what country you're in? Well, we're still researching that. We're still researching the international reach of Community Cars. But I I'm telling you, I just had a conversation with one of the people that bought a car uh, who lives down in Florida. And mm -hmm. had it delivered to them. And it's it, they couldn't have had a better experience. Everything was taken care of. The paperwork was sent to them with those cute little tabs that tell you where you have to sign. Oh, yeah. Love getting those things at Staples. Yeah. Self-addressed stamped, stamped envelopes sent back. No problem. But if you are in the Bloomington area and you want to go in, you want to chop it up with some people face to face. Well, then you do it with Evan Martin and his incredible staff, and you're going to have a great experience, period, communitycars.com. Feels real good to have their name on this show because of the way they treat their customers and, frankly, the way they treat us. Yes. Now, let's talk about some stuff that does not feel very good. Quickly. I, I want to spend a minute on it because... A minute is fine. One <laughs> 60 seconds is the perfect amount of time. Let's talk about IU football. Um, it has been a very difficult time for IU football fans and for IU football players. There is a bit of an exodus going on with the transfer portal, which was, I think, to be expected. And the truth is, this is happening in many places. Yes. The problem is most places that are at least good football programs have the faith that whatever they lose, they'll get back in kind. Yeah. And I don't think we have that faith. I I I did a little bit of research on just like how bad th are things right now? Well, look, we lost to San McCullough, who was probably the best player on the team and definitely the most upside. Terrible news. Uh, I would argue we've lost Dexter Williams because of that gruesome injury. So I, I would I would highly doubt he is playing football next season. Mm -hmm. We lost uh, Malachi Holt Bennett, who was a, a, a high recruit. We lost our tight end, A.J. Barner. We've lost quite a few impact players and players that were being counted on, especially high-ranking players from that vaunted 2022 recruiting class. Yeah. So I just glanced ahead, Ward, to 2023 to see what's coming. We have the 14th-ranked recruiting class in the Big Ten. Out of Out of how many? Maybe 13. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's bad. I looked at what it is nationally. And, and also what I looked at was not just the ranking. We're 14 out of 14. But the you know, when you look at 247 composite, there's a score put next to it. You know, so if you're the number two team in the country right. and you're at 190 and the number three team is at 189.8, well, then you're, you're not, you know, you're, you're right there. We are so far below where the rest of the Big Ten is. I mean, our rating is so bad. I looked at where it is nationally. We're in like the mid 80s nationally, but we are behind schools, Ward, like Campbell and Eastern Michigan. I mean, just schools. Did that... you say, did you say Campbell? I did. Campbell. 
that's a that's a division one school now you're making me question it i mean i i believe you way more than my own knowledge of less known schools believe me when i was doing the research and i saw that one i was like am i saying this is this true but i'm (laughs) i'm gonna go back and just check to make sure that i was correct here hold on because if campbell is breaking the top 100 of recruiting rankings they're really on the come up well, I think it also shows just how few really good football teams there are. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. when you get outside that top 25, top 35, you got a lot of bad football teams. Uh, I'm just checking here. Makes yes, sense. we are behind Rice, Tulane, Appalachian State, Campbell, Western and Central Michigan, East Carolina, and 84 other schools. So as far as like what talent is coming in, it is as dark of a time, I I think, as in recent memory. And and I am just not sure where you go. I, it made me sad watching Deion Sanders take the podium and give a press conference at Colorado. It made me sad. That's a school who's like, we suck. We're going to take a giant swing. And where's our giant swing? You know, um, I just don't know. I mean, you and I both like Tom Allen a great deal. Respect him. Think he's about the right things. Love his passion for Indiana and believe there's no one else out there that is that passionate or would look at Indiana as a destination job. I I don't see the light at the end of this tunnel. And well, yeah, and look, a lot of fans they feel that way too. A lot, a lot of it is things were rolling a couple of years ago, and the thought was including our own. You gotta extend this man. You gotta pay this man. You gotta make sure this man isn't tempted to go elsewhere. Because here's a man we could actually keep. And things, every single thing, is broken the wrong direction. In in you know, and injuries are certainly literally a part of that. Um, but now we're in a place where it is just absolutely uh, roadblocking any even consideration of a change because of the financial implications and the fact that nobody within 10,000 miles of Bloomington is interested in coming in and taking care of that in the way, say, somebody was for Archie Miller. So I, I just, to your point of not seeing a way out of this, whether you think Tom Allen is the guy or not, even if you don't, well, I mean, how are you going to get out of that at least what, one more season, two more seasons before that becomes viable within the budget. Yeah. I, and you know what? I also was looking back because I saw a lot of people asking the same question, people, even on our text chain, how did this happen? How did we fall this far? And so I did some just quick looking back at those two great years that we had. And when you really kind of peel the onion back, what you realize is those two great years were outliers for a lot of reasons. I looked at 2019, which was kind of that breakthrough year, our first January bowl. And what I found in that year was we won eight games that year, which is amazing for Indiana. Absolutely amazing. We did not beat a single team that had a record that was even at 500. Mm. Best record we beat was five and seven. The total record of the teams that we beat was 25 and 71. That's yeah, who we beat. Well, it was a, <laughs> right. It was a very favorable schedule. Very. And then we lost the bowl game. Yeah. 
The next year was COVID. And I think that what we, you know, history and hindsight are 2020, you look back at that and you go, COVID just screwed up everything. I mean, look at the basketball results that year. You know, you had Duke and Kentucky perennial powers who were terrible basketball teams that year. You you had football um, things that were happening, like what we were doing that was just so weird. And I just, I can't explain it, but I can't chalk, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that COVID happened and all these crazy results happened and then here COVID goes away and everything gets kind of reset. And we go back to two years of two of the worst back-to-back -back football seasons that Indiana has had since the Jerry DiNardo era. I don't think you can discount the fact that we lost Michael Penix to injury again. And then we lost him completely. And he's doing incredibly well elsewhere. Like, in, I agree with you. In this game, the quarterback is paramount, you know, at this level, at the professional level. And he was really talented. And I think that's part of the reason we did so well in the COVID year, you know, but then he gets hurt before the bowl. That doesn't go so well. And then however long it takes him to come back. And when he comes back, he doesn't have the time. He's not the same somehow. And, and Ward, he doesn't have Kalen DeBoer. Absolutely. Absolutely. When he came back because I looked at that. You look at what Kalen DeBoer has done. Kalen DeBoer has gone to be a head coach now for three seasons two at Fresno State, one at Washington. He is 22 and eight in those three seasons. 22 and eight. Kane Womack, the defensive coordinator, just finished his second year at South Alabama. First year, five and seven. Second year, 10 and two. Yeah. Those are our. We lost the talent and we replaced them with guys who no one cares about. No one wants to play for those guys. They don't have any heat. One of our guys, the coordinator, isn't trusted enough to call the plays. Yep. The other guy was a failure, a, a just a flat-out failure as a head coach. Came into Indiana on his keister. Tom Allen saved him. And who wants to play for him? Whereas Kalen DeBoer was a real dude. So I agree with you about Penix. And I don't think you can discount the coaches. But you add all of it together. We haven't identified good enough coaches to replace those guys. We haven't developed the talent good enough. Tom Allen has not shown the ability to manage the staff or the roster. We have not replaced the quarterback. And now there's this mass exodus. It's scary. It is scary for IU football. Yep. Well, at least we don't have to talk about it anymore on tonight's show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about two really good things. Yes, please. The College Cup. We're back in Indiana men's soccer. Greatest soccer team in men's soccer history. Proving it yet, yet again. 22 College Cups, which is the final four, in 50 years. This, you're basically there every other year. It's insane. Yes. It, it is absolutely insane. And um, what's even extra crazy is the men's soccer team scored as many points as we did against Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was close. Hold on. It was close. Hold on. I know. We're not there yet. I'm just – it's all – it's, it's – man, I really wish, like, we could have done this intro immediately after the North Carolina game and posted it because it's I just agree. a brutal intro the way the timing works out.
but it's not going to be brutal right now because IU women's basketball is simply one of the best programs in the country. How do you they lose are. maybe the best player in the country and still climb in the rankings to number four after a beat down of the Tar Heels by the ladies as well? Unbelievable. A shorthanded Indiana women's basketball team smoked North Carolina. I mean, smoked them, shot threes from everywhere. Everybody was contributing. It is amazing. They're number four in the AP poll, tying the highest ranking in the history of the program. A, a team that was set again by a Terry Morton team. Just was it last year that we made it to four or the year before? I can't remember. It might've been last year. Yeah, I think it was oh, last year. year. It, it is stunning what, what this program is doing. It is stunning. And they play such fun basketball. She has officially built a monster, no longer building a monster. The monster, I would say, got built fully last year. And like Frankenstein, you replace parts, but the monster's still the monster. And, the and it's, it's, monster. it's gotten slightly larger, this Frankenstein. And I don't think any team in the country should feel confident playing against Coach Morin and those ladies. I, I totally agree. I want Grace back. I don't think this team can win the Big Ten, really. Even the Big Ten's tough. A lot of really good teams when you look at the rankings. The Big Ten is littering the rankings with teams. We need Grace back. I don't I don't have any update there. I don't know what the story is. I know there was some optimism that it was a sprain and wasn't going to cost her the season. But this team relies on her for virtually everything. Dribbling, passing, shooting, defense, leadership. I mean, Composure. Yes, exactly. So I just love watching them play. They started the Big Ten season off with a win against Illinois. And now we're going to get to some good and some bad. But it is a new segment that we are calling Hoosier Hoops Hubbub. <laughs> Sponsored by our brand new sponsor. I was so excited to get to these guys. I was saying sponsor way ahead of time. Eric, who is our new sponsor? Hoosier Hoops Hubbub will be presented by IU Ventures. So let's tell you what IU Ventures is. We've gotten a chance to meet these guys. We've gotten a chance to look under the hood, kick the tires, <laughs> the, and the, really- it, uh, It's not cars. It's not cars. Oh, not cars anymore. Sorry. Right. Correct. All right. IU Ventures is really an incredible thing. As many of you probably know, Indiana has a ton of resources that are dedicated to educating entrepreneurs, supporting faculty, students, and alumni who have an invention or a business that they want to start. Obviously, the, the Kelly School is world-renowned. But what makes IU Ventures different is IU Ventures is its own entity. It is the only part of IU that actually cuts checks. They actually put their money where their mouth is, and they write checks to support new businesses and new inventions from Indiana folks. It's IUDNA. This is, look, we've had what, hundreds, maybe thousands of people approach us about sponsorships, but we're very picky. We're very picky. Thousands. We thousands low thousands we uh look we want to be able to sit here and talk about something we're genuinely excited about we genuinely believe in and and iu dna is what this is all about the ventures they they only invest in startups that are led by iu alumni faculty staff or students they also invest in intellectual property or other iu licensed technology 
Will I say that word perfect ever again? Probably not. But they're all going to be listening. They're going to be listening to this one. We want to give a good first impression. And we love that it's all about IU helping IU people. I, I also think the idea that we could ever make a good first impression is just out the window. I mean, it's just totally out the window. So look, there are th- we're going to be talking about IU Ventures over the coming weeks. We're going to be telling you about success stories of businesses and entrepreneurs that they have supported. We're going to be talking about the investors that are part of this community. We're going to be doing that in coming weeks. But to start this off, let's tell you about the three main arms, the three legs of the stool, if you will, for IU Ventures. The first one is if you are an IU alum, a faculty, a staff member, or a student, and you have an invention, you have a business, you have a piece of intellectual property, IU Ventures allows you to apply for funding. This is how you can get your project off the ground from an IU bank, basically. The funding is coming directly from there. That's leg one of the stool. Ward, what's two? Leg numero deuce. You, Eric, you already have, maybe. Um, Anybody who is IU can join the Angel Network, the IU Angel Network. So say you're a fan of Shark Tank and you are an IU alum, faculty, staff, or student, you can join the IU Angel Network. Members of the network are presented with monthly opportunities, get emails, you can go on the website, check it out, to invest in early stage companies that are poised for high growth and significant financial returns. All are IU affiliated startups. So so look, I mean, it like, and this is why this- I just this- got one. I just got an opportunity that, that I saw from, from signing up for it and it was Home Field Apparel. Yeah. Homefield Apparel started by IU guys out of Indianapolis. They're looking for funding to scale up their business. You can be like the Shark Tank investors. You get to look at these businesses and decide, I want a piece of this. I want to invest. I want to share in the upside. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. And and that's, again, look, we're not going to go on and on for this long on every episode. But the idea that this is genuinely something that can help the portfolio, financial portfolio, of our listeners who are IU alum or or who want to, you know, hey, help another IU alum get going on their way, make a little scratch on the side. It's a great opportunity for anybody listening who went to IU or goes to IU. And the third leg is simply sign up for their newsletter. Get the latest happenings, the latest goings-ons, the latest what's what, the latest holy hell. I don't know. I was trying to go on a run there <laughs> I thought, and I lost I, it. I was braced for it to go much longer. <laughs> So sign up for the newsletter and find out about the opportunities. Find out about events. Find out about how you can become an angel investor. Find out how you apply for funding. And it's really easy to do. Anybody can sign up for it. It's free. Go to iuventures.com, iuventures.com. And at iuventures.com is where you can apply for funding, become an angel investor, and get the newsletter. iuventures.com. Maybe you can put up a little cute graphic. Sure, sure. IU Venture, you want you wanted to say iuventures.com in what, pink? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> iuventures.com, amazing company, amazing part of Indiana University that I just don't think has gotten enough spotlight for what they're doing. It's amazing. And they are our presenting sponsor for Hoosier Hoops Hubbub. And it sucks that it comes right after the Rutgers game. Yeah. 
if only it had been after the North Carolina game, we would have been talking about six banners. We would have been talking about national player of the year, national coach of the year, freshman of the year, sixth man of the year. And in one short game, uh, we all lose our collective mind and feel the polar opposite. It's tough to be an Indiana fan. Look, it's not about that one game. It's not. It's about the last five years of basketball. That's what it's about. That game looked like a game that has been on rinse and repeat way too many times for five years. No offense to speak of. I mean, 48 points is is just humiliating. I don't care where it is or against who. We have a team that is supposed to have senior leadership, We're supposed to have good guard play. We're supposed to be better shooters than we were last year. We're supposed to have an All-American in the middle. We're supposed to have a tough front line with a sixth-year player and a fourth-year player. We're supposed to have athleticism and depth off the bench. And to lay the egg that we laid, I think, just scares every Indiana fan into thinking, are we that different than what we have been? Because in in that's where my mind goes. In the aftermath of the North Carolina game, we're like, okay, we're ignoring that they're banged up, they're exhausted, yada, yada. Uh, At the end of the day, they have a lot of talent on that roster coming back from a national championship run. And, And we imposed our will on them. We dominated them. There was very little they could do. And, you know, look, we didn't need to really hit much from the outside. We did enough. Uh, to do whatever we wanted anywhere else on the court. And look, and, you know, I don't know right now where Xavier is on Ken Palm, but but those two games going on the road in a tough environment against a new but very established good coach, it was like, oh, we're this IU. You're talking about – Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. Right. Well, no, Xavier at Xavier. And yes, how X played there and in the North Carolina game was like, oh, this is a different team to to basically the impose our will on uh, a good program against a good coach on the road and then just dominate arguably a more talented team wherever we're playing them. That's not something we're used to. So, I right. mean, we were all, we were all feeling ourselves as a top 10 program. Um, but man, uh, now we're in an, uh, a, a crisis of identity because until, until we get a few more games under our belt, we really don't know was, was that just a, a temporary fallback to this thing? You know, somebody put it on Reddit. I, I, I can't, I don't know their Reddit username, so I can't give them credit, but they said, I'm suffering from post-traumatic Archie syndrome. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was Fair. being that was being applied because there was a minute not and, and I felt this exact same way until we were up by 10 with a minute to go against North Carolina. I was not feeling confident because right. of what we've been going through. But hey, we just found a way to just keep it in double digits. And it was like, whoa, I could really get used to this feeling. This would be great. And then we went back to Rutgers and did what we always do against Rutgers. And all those bad feelings came rushing back. And and they can't go away until we have several examples of that not happening again. Look, and I think maybe the biggest to try to break it down, and there's so much we could talk about. My biggest overall concern was that there just looked like there was no offense. It didn't look like there was movement. It didn't look like there were any adjustments made at halftime to what Rutgers was doing with it. It was just like, they're just going to beat us. 
Like they're just, you know, I know we tied the game because Miller hit some shots and, and I will say this, none of the negativity that we have right now is aimed at Miller cop. That dude balled out. I mean, it makes it worse that Miller had an incredible game because in my mind, even with the North Carolina and Xavier wins, it's like, yeah, but still can we, sh- like we're so vulnerable because how good is our outside outshi- right. outshi- shooting on any given night? Outside, 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 shooting. outside shooting. Um, and, and when Miller just goes off, and it's still not enough and nobody else gets it going. It's like, oh boy, I thought I thought we just needed one of our guards or wings to be that hot from outside or scoring that much at any level to be able to get 70, 80 points a game. And like, nope, he got about half our points. Yeah. I mean, so so overall the offense is 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 causes concern. And I think it's fair. On an individual level, the race Thompson situation has to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, he has had one good game out of eight this year. One. Every other game is in single digits, and many of those are like five, three, two, zero. Something is wrong, and I don't know what it is, but I know it ain't working. And I know Malik's a freshman, and we talked about how great it would be to have him coming off the bench. I don't know if you can do that. And this idea that race could stretch the floor, no, he cannot. No. They are begging him to shoot the three, and he's a, and he's giving into that. And I got to say, when I hear Woody talk about, hey, man, I never tell anybody not to shoot. You should. You should tell some people not to shoot. Race I have... I have very little doubt Malik would have played a lot more at Rutgers if he hadn't been in foul trouble. He just, he could not stay out of foul trouble. Um, And, you know, I thought a a couple, there were a couple rays of sunshine when him and Trace were actually in there together because they had to pay him attention too, attention to him too. And yeah, and, and, you know, he had some shots just go in and out that normally do fall. Um, Hey, you're going to have those nights, not, not worried about him um, if he can stay on the floor. And I do think, yeah, depending on matchup, like might Woody consider starting him sooner rather than later, uh, hopefully, but or what, what matchup wouldn't it work for? I mean, if, if race Thompson is a guy who could stretch the floor, fine. I'll buy that there are matchups. You want him. He's not, he's shooting like 12% from three pointers this year. They are begging him to shoot them and he's taking them and missing them. He's not as skilled as Malik offensively down low. Like not well, even close. I guess my question would be if somebody's trying to run small ball on us and four out, can Malik stay with somebody the same way Race could? I would say absolutely. I mean, there's yeah. I don't even think Race is a good defensive player right now, especially when they pull him away from the basket. He's not athletic. And I'm not saying Malik is some great athlete. I think he's a little fleeter of foot and lighter on his feet than Race is. I mean, just his footwork is better. I and maybe race is stronger, but at this point, like he's a liability right now. And I love the kid and he works his ass off and has for six years. And to your point right now, to your point, we don't know what's going on. We've done enough of these pods with enough of these guys. We have no idea what could be going on physically in his personal life, whatever. We don't know. All we can go by right now is what's happening on the court. And Malik's clearly a more effective player. 
And look, the elephant in the room here is Jalen Huchifino didn't play. And Jalen Huchifino is, you know, the first or second best player on this team, depending on the night. I really believe that for everything he does. You and I talked about this in the North Carolina game. When he was dribbling the ball, I felt very confident that the ball was going to stay in his hands or someone that wore the same jersey as us. Mm -hmm. When X has the ball, it's a bit of a crapshoot. It's the ball is real loose in his hands. Jalen just has a calmness and a steadiness to his game and a poise that X does not have. X has explosiveness that Jalen doesn't have and maybe will never have because they're just different types of athletes and different types of players. But Jalen brings a sense of calm to the game and not having him in there. It would be silly to say that that didn't matter. We got blown out. We would have gotten blown out no matter what. I don't know. I'm not saying we win the game with him, but we have to have Jalen hood to be to be a different team than we were last year. That's, yeah. and that's I the think, thing. Yeah, it's huge. And, and we're talking about these two freshmen and how vital they are now to the ceiling of this team. And it's absolutely true. And coming into the season, you want to be like, well, they're freshmen. You don't want to like, you know, put too much of what your team uh, needs on them. But it's just like the talent is the talent is the talent. And if you're talking about two of the three, four most talented and really impactful players on the court, those guys are, I mean, because to me, it's like X, has had a couple really great games uh, yeah. against, you know, let's say we played three real games and X was tremendous in two of the three. And and that we can't afford to not have any of our four best players not out there. And with, with Jalen and X, I, 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 love, I love having both of them out there at the same time because yeah. now you've got two guys, you swing it over, and the guy's got a different look, different angles, different matchups on his side of the court, and that is huge. But always one of them is on the court. And Rutgers, what, their point guard's like 6'6". So particularly yeah. when we're going up against mm -hmm. giant guards from another team, uh, Jalen's even more important in terms of his size. So, yes, it certainly didn't help, but you still, I still feel believe, still feel believe. That means feel and believe put together. Together. You're, you're feeling your belief. Yeah. Yeah. I believe I'm feeling that. That you believe feel. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, we've we've done a few it's of these late. bits tonight. Uh, we we will try to stop. Um, At least this isn't part of the new sponsored segment. <laughs> oh, wait. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um we we need those guys out there at all times because it's it's a a season that we I still believe we could be a top 10 team but not if we're not firing on all cylinders and healthy because we're just not a good enough shooting team that that if we're missing somebody crucial I don't think we can keep up with other teams you know, know. like and we we can keep them to sixty, but if we're only scoring fifty, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I wish we could score fifty. We scored forty eight. <laughs> um, and, and you know the other two things that, that kind of bug me is one, I, I saw so many comments about, hey, guy, you know, it's Rutgers, it's so hard to play there, and this was coming off such a big game with North Carolina. No, mm -mm. we have senior leadership. We are an old team. We did this last year when we beat Purdue and then we shit the bed against Michigan, right? We we totally went through this already. This is a lesson we should have learned. 
we have a sixth year player in race, a fourth year player in trace, a fifth year player in um, Miller, a fifth year player in X. And those are starters for us. Yeah. There is no excuse to have a letdown game or a trap game. No, I, I don't think we should win every game. I'm not saying that, but we didn't compete anywhere near where we needed to compete. And then the second part, and we talked about this not that long ago. Remember all that talk about how this is the deepest team that we've ever had? Jordan Geronimo, Tamar Bates, Trey Galloway gave zero in that game. Disappeared. And they are not consistent enough to think we have this depth. We aren't. CJ Gunn isn't ready. He, you know, he comes in, he turns it over in his first possession. He's not ready. Doesn't mean he won't be at some point, but. I mean, we're just not there yet. And and I know it's only one game, but I do think it's a huge statement about so many of the things we thought we should be over, we still aren't over. And and you're right. Like, we cannot afford Trace, X, Jalen, and I would say Miller because of his shooting. We can't – I think Race could go out and Malik could come in but we can't we cannot lose one of those key players and and still compete at the highest level. So we're 0 and 1 in the Big 10. We got a big game coming up tomorrow night against Nebraska. Nebraska just beat top 10 Creighton at Creighton. Scary. Um it is fun looking at Louisville's record though. <laughs> yeah. Boy did they suck. Yeah. Boy did they, I mean, they are worse maybe than the Tom Crean first three years. Yeah. If you're ever depressed about the IIU season, just go over to their message board. Somebody linked to that in the pigs message board. I never do that. I never look on other teams uh, Me message boards, but I was like, okay, yeah, I think we were feeling ourselves because this was right after the North Carolina game. And just to see Louisville despondent was like, oh, well, all right, that's extra good because we were we were riding high off of our win over another blue blood. But look, Big Ten championships are won on the road in the Big Ten. And if we want to win Big Ten championships, we need to show out a lot better than that. We need to be in those games down to the final minute and pull a few of them off because that's the only way we're going to get this done. And look, I was looking at standings over the historical Big Ten champions. Uh, and in 20 game seasons, the minimum is 14 wins. You got to go 14 and six, 15 and five, several times COVID screwed things up because of games being canceled, but 14 and six, 15 and five, we're Owen, which basically means you got to win almost every game at home, right? You yep. win all your games at home. Maybe you lose one. So let's say you go nine and one at home. Okay. Now you go nine and one. You got to find six wins on the road, which means you got to go six and four on the road at worst five and five. We're 0 and one. So you, they're important. These games are important. Rutgers, I think, was a winnable game. I don't care how tough it's been for us to play there. It's a winnable game. We didn't win it. We better smoke, smoke Nebraska. Smoke them. At, at this point, uh, I'd be happy to win by one on a last-second three-pointer, but I'd prefer if we smoked them. Would you be happy with that at home? No, 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 no. No, that would be really disappointing, and we would be like, oh, no, are we going to be 9-11 and 11 again? That's what <laughs> we would be thinking. It's true. It's true. And, I mean, we all were hit with that fear after getting run out of the RAC Jersey Mike's dumbass arena. Yeah shithole god 
But look. All right. Well, look. Well, guess what, IU Ventures? There's your first Hoosier <laughs> Hoops hubbub. <laughs> you got to do a jingle. You're going to have to come up with a jingle for Hoosier Hoops hubbub. What are you going to rhyme, rhyme hubbub with? Um, schlubbub. <laughs> I mean, something schlub. It'll end with schlub. No, I'll I'll come up with something and maybe change the title of the whole segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, listen, we've spent a lot of time talking about shooting. Miller Cop went off. Seems like the perfect segue into our guest today, who's one of the best shooters that we've seen at Indiana ever. I mean, just he was he was he was money. And we got to talk to him. And uh, from an interesting era of Indiana basketball and part of the last part of the last Big Ten champion. So what do you say we shut up for this portion? and start talking on the next portion. Immediately, right away. It's just us talking for like another five minutes, and then he'll talk. Cool. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Eric, I'm going to steal what you texted to me today. You said that this gentleman, our guest today, was, and I quote, truly the last pure shooter that we ever had. And it is an honor to have him here today. Well, you should tell everybody who he is and what he's done. Hailing from the great city of LaGrange, <laughs> Illinois. By the way, our, our mutual friend, Sean Gallagher from LaGrange Ward. There you go. Oh, so, there you go. Only lived legends. in a little neighborhood, a little neighborhood <laughs> called Indian Head Park, I believe. Does that ring a bell? That uh, rings a bell. That's that's the Grange right there, pretty there much. Yeah. Also, Grange. also great great zz top song mm, there you go uh <laughs> he attended lions township high school he is a two-time all-west suburban conference selection he led the lions to a pair of regional championships he made 108 threes he was a 2011 mcdonald's all-american nominee he went then to illinois state where he graduated in three years before matriculating at indiana university what what what's that there we go. Oh, yeah. Get to the good part. There we go. <laughs> Came to IU in 2014-15, led the Big Ten his first year at Indiana in three-point shooting at 51.4%. It is the fourth best IU season ever shooting threes in the Big Ten Conference. He is ninth all-time at IU, averaging 43.2% from three in his career. He is fifth best all-time in Big Ten games at 43.5%. He's an academic All-Big Ten honoree. He is a graduate of the Kelly School's graduate program. He is a Big Ten champion. He is our he is a member of our last Sweet 16 team. He played all over the world: Spain, Greece, Lithuania, Italy, Fort Wayne. And he is now <laughs> here with us. Please welcome, as Ward said, the last best shooter we had. Please welcome Nick Zeisloft. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Oh man, a lot of <laughs> lot of comments that I could have for some of those. Um, <laughs> what pops to first, your head right away? Uh, who are the first three? Oh, that was the fourth best. Well, Al- Alfred had the best season ever. If you're talking about single season percentage, single is only season, not just Big Ten season. Right, but in the Big Ten, uh, I think Jay Edwards is is ahead of you there. I think his freshman year, he shot something like fifty five percent. Gosh, something crazy. I'll have to look it crazy. up. I'll have to look it up. Why are you quizzing us? 
Why are you quizzing the 50s us? Are, the 50s are a goal every year. Every year I played was the 50s, so. Well, that's, that's uh, just ridiculous. That was, that was where it had to be, you know? So that's why I ask. So All if right, someone got well, over 55, that's. Yeah, hold that's on. We'll I'm have doing. our intern. Hey, Reggie, go yeah. do your research. <laughs> All right. All right. Nick. Reggie's on it. Let's start here. Where are you? Because if people are watching the video, it does look like you're being forced to record a hostage video. But where are you in the world right now? Yes, I'm not internationally traveling right now. I'm not stuck in a white room, no windows, <laughs> um, getting interrogated. Um, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Nice. Um, my wife and I live in like the South Loop area. So we are... Uh, in our in our apartment hanging out and just you know enjoying the city life not in lagrange awesome. yet so we'll see what happens if we, if we ever <laughs> do the suburbs but no indian head park vibe for us well in in your retirement what last year right what uh, two years ago today or this month oh. excuse me okay so yeah. what oh, the, they they ask what are you going to do when the ball stops bouncing can you give us an update what's going on with mm -hmm. your life there in chicago well, they always ask what you're going to do when the ball stops bouncing. And I had no clue. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to attempt to use the uh, the Kelly background, the finance background that I had at Illinois State and Indiana and see where I landed. So now I'm in a um, I'm working on the asset and portfolio management team at DWS um, in the real estate branch that they have. So it's been a great start. I started um, a year and a half ago. So that time flies. Yeah. Um, the the job has gone very well, better than I could have expected. Um, the hardest part was getting the job. Mm. Yeah. How did you get the job? Was there any Indiana connection there to help you at all? Um, not exactly Indiana. We do. I do work a lot of with a lot of Hoosiers, which is nice. nice. Um, nice. a lot of them in the company, which is fun to to talk shop, you know, and all that and hoops, especially this time of year. So. Uh, but no, but I did connect with a lot of Hoosiers networking because, well, sometimes it's about who you know, not what you know. Um, Absolutely. Took me probably 50 plus phone calls, 50 plus connections yeah. from the time I really sat down to it in like January um, 2021 till I finally got a job in, in June. So long, it, it, it takes time. Yeah, it does. What skills are transferable, if any, from your time as a professional athlete to the world of finance? Um, that's probably the one thing that helped me in corporate life. Um, the ability to connect with all types of people throughout the world, mm -hmm. different language barriers, culture, that was probably just, and, and just going through tough times alone and figuring it out yourself. Um, those things right there lent itself really well to uh, to the profession that I'm in now. Just being able to connect with new people, um, reading the room, being quick on my feet, trying to just absorb and learn as fast as possible because that's what Europe was. Mm -hmm. That's what basketball is on the fly. And that's what the real world is, in, especially in real estate and times like right now too. So those were some of the things that really helped um, – yeah, I was quite removed from numbers and math and finance, but I guess at the same time you're doing numbers and math on the court at all times too. So those mm -hmm. are some, some things. 
you played the game with such emotion. You you wore your heart on your sleeve. It's part of the mm. reason Hoosier Nation immediately loved you. That and you could drain threes from Spencer. <laughs> but but the emotion you played with, the competitive spirit that you played with, which, which obviously mm. all of that stuff is an offshoot of. How has it been to just shut that down and go into a world where, you know, you can't just go chest bump the guy next to you because you could just close a good deal. How, how have you been able to kind of put that aside or do you have an outlet for, for getting that out? It's a great question. Um, never tell, never tell him that Nick, it goes right to his head. Uh, I'm winning one Oh, one Oh, one Oh, it's a tally. Here we go. Um, part of it was, I'm going to kind of flip the question on you here. So, Part of it, I, I played basketball with such an emotion, like you said, right? Passion, emotion. But part of it was also staying calm when you just went on a 15-0 run because mm. you knew you had to go do the next 5-0, 10-0 run. Right. Um, that, I think, is what helped me. That side that wasn't ever you know, pictured, you know, taken video of um, in the games – that's what's helped me, I think, the most in, in this side of life, the wow. corporate sitting at the desk, um, analyzing assets and properties. I think that is really where it has helped um, because, yes, I'm not going to chest bump someone in the air after we close the deal. <laughs> right. right. And, I mean, you I, might want to like... bring, bring it to the office. Some of your fellow <laughs> Hoosiers would appreciate that there in the office. <laughs> I do want to just circle back to real quickly to follow up on when you said about math on the court, numbers on the court. And obviously we watching your game, following your career, we know what your numbers are and they're super impressive, but the way you said it made me think you have like kind of a beautiful mind thing going on when you're out on the court. <laughs> it, it, were you thinking of like how you see uh, numbers on the court as opposed to just what your free throw percentage is? I mean, I guess the way I think about that is every situation, there's a probability of it. I'm not actually doing the math on the fly of what right. that probability is. I'm not that smart, right? Someone else can probably figure that out from the stands that is analyzing the speed and trajectory of the ball player, you name it, right? A million things right. go into it. But I've done the, the numbers on who's a three-point shooter. Is he a fast release guy? Is he trying to drive first? is this guy 500 more pounds than me and I just can't even box him out and I'm just going to do whatever I can to make sure he doesn't get a rebound. I mean, it's stuff like that, right? Right. It's, it's just a constant, um, do I need to be in a certain spot so my point guard can can get me the ball better? Things like that. Right. All right, let's jump in the time machine a little bit and go back to when you're a three-point specialist. And look, I think and we'll spend some time talking about this when you get to Indiana, but Tom Crean made a big point of they didn't bring you into Indiana just to be a three-point specialist. They brought you in to be a basketball player, and mm -hmm. you became a really valuable piece of the team, not just for your outside shooting, but great defense, making the right pass, being, being just a great teammate in all aspects of the game. But you were a specialist at shooting threes, and that skill mm -hmm. development had to start early. Where did basketball start for you, and how quickly... Mm -hmm was it discovered by you that outside shooting would be your thing? I've played basketball for as long as I can remember. Um, baseball was number one for a time, 
but I didn't enjoy the flow at the end of the day. And I could spend three, four plus hours in a gym by myself on the court versus three, four hours in a baseball batting cage. Um, and that's kind of where it hit it off was like sixth, seventh grade. Started kind of getting a little tired of baseball and basketball is more creative. Um, a few guys that I can recall that really helped my shooting development was uh, one of my park district coaches that I just would work out with every once in a while. Um, and he goes, look, man, your mom's five, four, your dad's six, two, you're not going to be six, six plus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly lucky. I topped out at six, four uh, with, with those numbers on my parents. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. You got to become a shooter. And at that point I just started working on the fundamentals. Um, started real close into the basket and just worked on the form. Well, once I grew and started developing the strength and the form stayed with it, just kept on practicing, kept on working, kept on moving further back. And well, at some point it got to be an obsession um, from everywhere on the court. So that's, it really kicked off then in seventh, wow. eighth grade, but I don't think I had the confidence in myself until I was a junior in high school, where um, I really just kind of, the work had kicked in. When you were getting obsessed and, and, you know, seventh, eighth grade, middle school, were you already imagining yourself beyond high school and basketball? No, it was just, you just love doing the thing. Yeah. I, um, my AAU coach, Steve Pratt said in the spring of my junior year to my parents, Oh, he'll get a division one scholarship. And I was like, huh? Yeah. I wasn't even thinking then I was only getting like D2, maybe some low, low D1 looks, not interest, just only interest, no offers. And he was right. Uh, I played myself into it that senior year. Um, sorry, leading up to my senior year in the summer um, in, uh, in good old Maryville, Indiana, yeah. of all places. Uh, they don't have that field house anymore. Actually just drove by it this weekend. Um, and uh, that was that that was it right there. I had no, I mean, I had aspirations. Sure. I wanted to be the best I could be. I wanted, but really it was just about winning. I just wanted to win all the dang time. Mm. Uh, it didn't matter if it was a shooting drill, a free throw contest, and even more importantly, a game. Um, it just drove me to always win. So that was, that was where I think it all kicked in was um, having that drive. What, um, when you were growing up, were you a fan of certain players, whether it was college or pros, were the guys you patterned your game after or thought like, I want to take something from that dude? So, oh gosh, yeah, another good one. Not a great one. Um, <laughs> well, no, no, but a good, but good is no, half. Give good. yourself well, half. More, half. No, no, it was not a great one. Warren's just mad. <laughs> yeah. We're 1.5 to zero. It's good. There we go. Uh, so I grew up an Indiana basketball fan and a Michigan Wolverine football fan. My uh -huh. dad went to Indiana. My mom went to Michigan. So, um, wait, way to pick the right ones. <laughs> yeah. It would have really, it would have really sucked if you picked Indiana football. We didn't really do that. We didn't stay up uh, watching Saturday afternoon football games. Sorry to um, yeah, no, we get the, it. The, the football program right now, but hey, it's just it's how it was, right? So I would always watch those games and and see, you know, um, just oh gosh, well Coverdale, Hornsby, yeah. those guys. I I don't know if I took I don't know if I was old enough to take anything from their games at that time, but sure. I remember watching them growing up, right? Uh, when it got into maybe 
high school, um, later middle school years. I mean, Reddit, Corver, um, those guys are just killers. It would be those guys that you'd want to watch. When I got to be uh, a professional in, in Europe, it was JC Carroll. Um, wow. Real Madrid's one of the best shooters ever to play in EuroLeague, won like four EuroLeague championships with Real Madrid. Um, probably not many Americans know who that is. Right. But look up his highlights and it's just it's just a guy that just doesn't get stopped no matter what he does. So off off um, the, off uh, coming off screens, off the all dribble, off everything. Screens. Oh, all off screens. Bo- both, but mainly off screens. Got it. Um so I mean but you also saw these guys just not hit rim. So you right. realized you had to be like you had to practice that you didn't hit rim. It That's what your practices drills. are like. You're like when you're shooting threes in practice, you're like, I'm not going to hit the rim here. Do you get mad if you make a shot, but it hits the rim? There are days where you go swish only. Um, there are bad pass days. There are um, off the dribble only days, off the curl only day. It's it's just you're always trying to change something when it comes to shooting. There's I usually finish practice five swishes in a row on the free throw line so that's like one of the wins i would always do um and it's it it was like i said earlier that that's where it was an obsession sure sure i love that we we've we've mentioned mom and dad in passing and i think Mm -hmm. all mom and dads get pretty enthusiastic about their child's obsession when they realize it could pay for college but (laughs) if, if you could talk about you know whether it be watching the hoosiers together or, or enabling you to have this obsession? What, what was it like growing up in your household and, and what kind of encouragement or guidance did they offer? Because you, you clearly were locked into this in mm-hmm. your formative years. And usually, usually parents have to at least drive you to the gym at some point. They were always there to drive me to the gym. Um, always there to drive me to work hard. Um, my dad grew up in a rural town. Auburn, Indiana. Mm. Um, he worked his way through the Kelly School of Business to Chicago. It just, I mean, my mom, rural town, Battle Creek, Michigan, Ross, Ross School of Business in Michigan, worked her way, like paid their themselves through college, got great jobs at Chicago. It was just ingrained from them and how hard they worked. Yeah, it wasn't athletics, but it was it was what they were going to do to to uh, provide for us. Um, uh- they didn't know it then, but they had that instilled in them from their parents. Um, and that's something that I'll never take for granted from, from, from mine. So, um, at the same time, my mom and dad didn't play high school basketball past freshman year. So after freshman year, my mom goes, all right, Mark, you can't tell him what to do anymore. <laughs> He's outplayed both. We're times. out. Yeah, no kidding. We, we'll be there to support absolutely every game, help him through whatever he needs. But we can't tell him what to do on that play anymore. <laughs> was your dad a obviously going to Indiana? Was he a giant IU fan? Was oh, he yeah. like a Bobby Knight guy? Oh yeah, I grew up on Bobby Knight stories. Yes. Um, it was he was there from eighty one eighty four. Saw some really good basketball. Yes, he did. Yes, Yes, he did. (laughs) Now, I I have made the drive from Bloomington to LaGrange and back. Did you ever make the drive from LaGrange to Bloomington as a kid to see any games in Assembly Hall? One. It was against Iowa. And I think... 
Gosh, uh, I think Marco Killian's worth the seventh team, but oh. Iowa won. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we lost a lot of games those years. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of so so. That you... was the only one, the only one, and it was quite a. Uh, the family was quite on cloud nine the first time I played in assembly. Well, do you I remember bet. it all just walking into Assembly Hall the first time as a kid? Do you remember just, like, being in awe of that building? You'd bat in the noise. Yeah. When it gets going in there, it's like no other. And was there any part of you when you walked in there or out of there that was like, I, I got to play there one day? I just got to play there one day. Oh, it was always a dream. Um, um, <laughs> now I'm just thinking on... Uh, on a time where we had an AU tournament in Bloomington and we came one game away from playing in assembly hall in that tournament. Um, And that hurt. Yeah. It really hurt. Yeah. We we played in cook hall, which was cool. Don't get me wrong. That was awesome too, but um, not getting to play in assembly, but Hey, it all worked out in the end. Got to play the real ones that matter there. Yes, you did. That's right. That's right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about okay, you you mentioned the dawning realization that you're going to play Division 1 ball. Um and so, you know, did the mindset change there and then as the recruiting picked up at the D1 level, how did you negotiate that and then ultimately end up at Illinois State? Illinois State was one of three teams that offered me um a scholarship. Uh, when I realized that, and they were the first team to offer me a scholarship. Um, when I realized that that was on the table, I'm like, I'm, I'm playing. I'm going to one of these three schools, or if another one wants to offer me down the line, um, I'm doing it. I took one visit. I had a couple of officials lined up. I took my first one to Illinois State. Loved the team. Um, loved the camaraderie. And uh, I was going to get tested there. Um I went into the open gym and was definitely not ready. Um, Hmm. But I didn't feel like I didn't belong. I just knew it would take some time. Um, And it was the best thing for me because that first year, like playing against some really good players um, in a great conference. I mean, that was Wichita, Creighton, Northern Iowa days Hmm. um, before the, the prior two left. Um, and that was I like I guess I'm I'm glad I never um, looked for how many shots I was going to get as mm-hmm. a freshman I didn't look at a place where I was going to have to redshirt which I did um, I could have if I would have wanted to play right away and get a bunch of shots off I could have went to the other two schools I, I would have you know that right. that had offered me but um, it's it's I don't know what made me decide all that, but it worked out in the end. Cause if I wouldn't have went there, it could have been a whole different scenario and could have not ever met coach Judson who ended up at Indiana. So that, uh, that, that was the connection, right? Judson was at, uh, there was some there. Kareen had seen me before. Um, he had seen me when I was in that Maryville tournament. Um, he admitted to me later. There was, there was just not the interest at the time. Um, but he saw me on film in the portal, an entirely different portal yes. than, than now. Yeah. Um, and he led the recruiting. Wow. So, yes, some with Coach Judson, but it was mainly Coach Crane. 
Well, let's talk about that. And let's, it's a question. <laughs> it's a question that I ask everyone who played for Tom Crean. And it's been many people that have been on the show. And I say it with love because what? Tom has been on the show. And you ask Tom himself. I did ask Tom this question. So I will ask you, when did you realize that Tom Crean was a crazy person? Um, couple different times. Okay. All right. Let's hear it in a couple different ways. Okay. Crazy attention to detail when I was on my official visit and we were watching film of me at Illinois State. And he noticed everything from Coach Muller's shoes to the person in the front row to my footwork to my spacing i was like i thought i was attend you know attentive to detail i wasn't even close what is he saying about the person in the front row or the coach's shoes what, what, why i mean did- i i couldn't i couldn't even tell or remember <laughs> but i just remember that he was pointing them out um <laughs> some funny remarks uh right in some like serious remarks back, you know, back and forth. Right. But sure. Um, it really was like a convinced, like, I just like, okay, I need this. Well, that just blew you away. Blew me away. Got it. On the other side, when he was really crazy, he kicked me out of practice once. <laughs> Give us the story. Give us What'd the story. Do? We love a good getting kicked out of practice story. Oh man. I think I, I somewhat talked back, which I don't really usually talk back. I don't know if I really, like, like, like was smart ass about it. Right. Um, I just think I questioned something that like I did with him and he was just had it with me that day and just sent me <laughs> five minutes later came out and told me to come back in. <laughs> He's like, we need shooting. But I was, we need shooting. But I was so pissed. I was so mad. But at myself. Was that your first year? Your first year at IU? Um, I think so. I think okay. it was like spring of my first year. Um, I was so mad because I really love Coach Green. Like yeah. a dad. And I let him down that much in that day that I felt so shitty. So, but tell us, Nick, because look, Tom did tremendous things for Indiana. I mean, tremendous. Took us from the depths of despair to Big Ten championships and Sweet Sixteens. And he deserves all the credit in the world for that. As So do the players that were with him. But we, we, we know that there are players that he has relationships like the one you're describing with. And some that he doesn't. But for you, what was it about him that allowed for that relationship where you did look at him like a second father? What 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 is it about him that allows for that? He's just honest, uh, brutally sometimes, but the way you need it, um, like you're a kid of his, like he's gonna teach you the right things on and off the court to succeed in life. And that was something that was just unparalleled, in my opinion. Um he really was hard on his players, but mm-hmm. in my opinion, in the right way. And for me, 100% the right way. Mm. Right. Okay, so let's go, let's go back to a kid who grew up an Indiana fan with a father mm-hmm. who's a, a, an alum. If you could just kind of like 
when did they first reach out and your reaction and and the offer and your acceptance mm-hmm. take us through what is you know certainly eric and i fantasized about it but it never <laughs> ever ever would have actually happened so we have to experience that through you okay um well, a kid that averaged six points per game at Illinois State doesn't think he's going to go to the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> so here comes Coach Cream calling, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> why are you calling me? I was, uh, I mean, it's surreal, right? Um, yeah. It was always my dream school. I'm, at the same time, I'm like, let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, like, they didn't really offer a scholarship. You don't know like where they stand on that. You know, it's, it's, you don't want to get over your skis. And I'm over here like, Oh, if this goes through, um, it's the no, it's a no freaking brainer. <laughs> You've got to be tomorrow. freaking out a little finish bit, right? Illinois state classes before I can actually graduate in time, but I'll put in all the work I need to, <laughs> to and, do and, that. Um, just, just to be clear on the setup, you put your, your name into the portal. You were going to yeah. see what was out there, but yeah. there had been no communication with anybody at Indiana when you did that. So it was like, they saw you in there and called you up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And once that it's like, how, how is this occurring? Um, <laughs> what, like you went to school for three years um, at a school you really wanted to go to, but here comes your dream school that you watched growing up since you were four. Here, so, like, and, here, and here's the, the, the man, the myth, the legend himself, coach cream calling you. So it was, it was, yeah, quite, quite a, uh, a feeling that you wanted everything to work out and it did. So um, walk us through the offer. Well, how did the offer happen? I, if I remember correctly, I think I asked <laughs> like, is this like, is there a scholarship like on the table? And he goes like, I, I think he said, yeah. Like, like, like it was, supposed to be known already like i was supposed to figure that out myself <laughs> and i didn't <laughs> but, was that was that so, on the visit was that on your visit or was it in a subsequent phone call like a phone call okay but prior. talk, talk once us i went on visit. my visit yeah. once i went on my visit i was going there um, <laughs> even if they didn't want you you were going to figure out a way to just no, show uh, up no i think it was pretty much like sign sealed delivered um, got it. oh got it got it got it that it was happening. Um, once though, I, w- I went on one visit like a month prior, then they had me on. Um, and at that point, all, everything, it kind of fizzled out the way it needed to. Um, and it was just, it was a formality almost once I was right. on, the, on the official practice of the team. Um, and but really enjoyed the guys. Talk to us about telling your dad, your parents, that you're going to Indiana university on a basketball scholarship. Do you remember that moment? Not really. That's crazy. Why do I like, why don't I remember that? You know, my mom was probably mad that beeline didn't offer me at Michigan when I went on my <laughs> official there. So that's probably why she was mad about it. But yeah. Um, no, she, she loved it. Um, my dad, I think the biggest thing for my dad was probably the first game I played in assembly hall. That was probably the real, like hitting home thing. So right. I, that was probably the biggest, the biggest 
you know, well, feeling check right there. Before we get there to your first game at Assembly Hall, a lot of shit happens after you commit and before the, the games are played. First off, you go on a Canada trip, which was great for that team to play five games. The in same Canada. foreign trip that I went on as a freshman at Illinois State. Really? <laughs> we played four out of the same five teams. Oh, that's so funny. So you go to Canada with a group of new teammates. And just to set the stage here, Indiana is is undergoing massive transformations of the players on the team. The year before was a really disappointing year. It was the year mm-hmm. after a great year that ended disappointingly. But Noah Vonley, you know, um, Luke Fisher mm-hmm. gone, Jeremy Hollowell gone, Peter Jerkin gone, Will Sheehy gone. And mm-hmm. here, and Evan, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Austin Etherington gone, Evan Gordon gone. It's a, a, it, half the team is gone. Mm-hmm. And then a whole bunch of new players come in, including you, including Robert Johnson, James Blackman Jr., Emmett Holt, Jeremiah Priel, Max Hostel, and of course, the vanilla gorilla himself, Tim Priller. Uh, and Mr. Bedford himself, Ryan Burton. Yes, that's true. And Ryan Burton. Can't, can't forget and Mr. Bedford there. You can't. It's a brand new team. I mean, in many yeah. ways. Now, granted, Yogi, it's still Yogi's team, but it's a bunch of new new players coming together. And you go on this Canada trip and you tear it up in Canada. I mean, you should. Do you know what you shot from three pointers in your five games in Canada? I actually don't. 55%. <laughs> there's the 55 there's the 50 so pretty good way to make an impression on your new teammates and the coaches mm-hmm. uh what do you just remember from the Canada trip and meeting your teammates and being around them in that kind of like contained uh atmosphere where you're also playing five games in a very short time first thing that comes to mind the good thing is that we really needed that trip um we needed every practice we could get together mm-hmm. um, and not for that season, for the following season. Interesting. It was a long process. Yeah. And and it worked in about 18, 20 months um, that no one really puts together. It was like two seasons of work. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. That That's was what we needed. It. We really, like the practice beforehand, we really, really needed. The trip we really, really needed. And the second thing that we lost to one game. <laughs> that we lost to good old Ottawa. I think Ottawa. That's the thing that stands out. We lost to that. uh, And we couldn't guard a chair. Right. Which we couldn't guard a chair at all that holy season anyway. So it was fitting. Um, Those are the few things that stand out. And the fact that I was on the same exact trip my first year at a new school, all new teammates were in, you know, it it was overall was a great trip. Um, We got to, you know, learn more about each other. Um, and and just play, get yeah. to figure get to figure each other out in a um, oh maybe a less pressure sure situation. I mean, it, that, that didn't look good when we lost the game, obviously, but um, wasn't smacked on ESPN either. So, right. um, there is those trips are really good for teams, in my opinion. It was the same way at Illinois State three years before that. Um, right. really, really good for those teams. I, I wonder, because when you're coming in as a, a transfer, it's not, you know, oh, this is your freshman pledge class and and these are you guys you come in with. Where do you kind of find, you know, and, and I guess it, it speaks to over the course of those two seasons that you all grew together as a team, but was there, 
was there somebody kind of taking you under their wing or because you're you're already an upperclassman are you looking at some of the guys coming in and helping them adjust to college life even though it's your first time in bloomington together how how's it work in in that unique role where you you showed up i did not feel like the oldest guy in the room but i was the oldest guy and hmm. on um, i think the oldest guy on the team ryan was actually probably older than me um he he is but i'm trying to think of who else might have been well let's see the others. no it would have it would have been no it was a pretty young team. incoming yeah. senior essentially but a redshirt junior yeah yeah and I remember a coach calling me to his room um, on the trip and telling me, just go lead. Mm. And I wasn't comfortable with that yet, even though I had been a captain on my team the year before. Um, he threw it on me to just that you have like you have to because I, lo- I love Kevin, love Yogi. But he he was the leader on the court, right. but he didn't have. No, he was he was a leader in on and off the court, but he wasn't what he was his senior year yet. No, 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 he wasn't yet. Um, and we had a lot of a lot of young guys. Well, we're gonna get into that a little. That takes that takes time, right? Um, and and I don't think I led well at all, really, that first year. Um, but again, like he like I just said earlier about the two season process, it just started me to 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 feel like I had to be the leader. Um, and I shouldn't say the leader because we had a lot of them, um, but just work into that role. Well, you, you talk about having young guys and leadership. Here's what happens before the ball's even tipped for real games. You get guys busted for, uh, Hannah Perea gets busted for operating a vehicle while intoxicated. Yogi, fake ID, Troy and Stanford, suspended for um failing a drug test and that's all before the season even starts and then comes halloween 2014 which is one of the what happened on that day yeah i mean just a really dark time we've talked to some of your teammates about it as well that that were on the team then including yogi but what do you remember from from that night and and again some some listeners believe it or not there's people younger than you that may not remember but on Halloween night, a really just kind of tragic accident happens where mm-hmm. uh, Devin Davis is hit by a car mm-hmm. driven by his teammates. It's mm-hmm. Devin's involved, Emmett Holt's involved, Hannah Perea's involved, and Devin suffers some serious head trauma uh, mm-hmm. and is rushed to the hospital and then basically is under recovery for the next year. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you remember from that night? How did you find out and how insane was that time around the program adversity has it hits all of us at a different time of life right um that was probably the most adverse time i had ever had playing college basketball there's a there's there's one more after that um, but honestly that's still not as adverse when your teammates has tubes out of out of his, you know, to, to, he's breathing out of tubes. That that was really hard to see a teammate that you battled with every day, um, and you worked with every day, and to see his parents and how hard they they took it. Um, and honestly, I'm just so freaking glad he's he played again. 
yeah walked again um short anecdote my last game ever playing was in greece two like i said earlier two years ago this month against devin davis's greek team oh wow and jeremy hollowell was on my team <laughs> what crazy crazy i we we won the game nice <laughs> nice nice but the fact that he was there yes playing and he's doing so well now mm-hmm. over there in greece killing it it's awesome. just like like as bad as that night is and always will be like thank god that he was able to play again how do you and how to were the you level told? that he yeah. did yeah so, how were you told that night do you remember getting the phone call do you remember being? i did i i got a i got a phone call from a teammate um i was not very happy because we had strict responsibilities we had a scrimmage the next day um we, we should have just been more responsible. Should have, would have, could have, and that would never have happened, right? Wasn't um, there also like a thing like the day before, maybe the day of Halloween, where Crean had like a big speech to everybody about like drugs and drinking and Halloween, like, and maybe even brought in like a guest speaker or something? Do you remember that at all? Vaguely. I couldn't tell you who the speaker was. We also yeah. had a lot of speakers. Right. Um, and it was always a point of emphasis to be smart. And well, because of the trouble that had happened, pretty much don't go out. Right. Right. Especially not during season. Um, so it, it, it was just terrible timing. And to be like right in the beginning of the season uh, with so many questions, so many new players, um, new, new team and, and what had happened prior in, in past seasons and off seasons was just just not a good look and um, something that we had to really bond together on um, to to get through and one for for us and one for Devin. Do yeah. do you think? Obviously, I'm sure the thought is, well, the next season could have been what it was, avoiding that tragedy. But could could you see through that extreme like? basketball is just a game this is real life adversity that ultimately did it bring you guys closer together and and was it a part of those many missteps that had to be taken to to get to the next season did you see it as something that brought you closer definitely brought us closer um there's nothing that something like that that happens bad teams won't let it bring you closer bad teams bad teams aren't close in general um but we had a lot of good guys that did bond together and that handled the situation um on and off the court responsibly and i don't think we had that year we didn't have any other hiccups until the final um school year ended right um and we went through another one um and then one more right before the my senior year started. And that was those were the ones that really like we're we're too smart for this. Cut it out. Well, and so some of them say, resulted uh, in in the end for for I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, Emmett Holt and Hannah Perea and Devin were mm-hmm. gone. 
you know, over the next mm-hmm. year, like that, that was it for them, you know, or the, I should say over the next 18 months or so. Um, but now let's get to a happy time, which is you go through all this shit. You still have a first game to play at assembly hall for Nick's Isloff dream school, Indiana, <laughs> and it's against Mississippi Valley state. So what do you remember for your first game? What do you remember walking out there? Uh, and, and do you remember how you did in your first game? I don't at all. Really? I, I, I remember their jerseys, our jerseys, the crowd. I feel like I got a layup in that game because I usually don't get many twos. And that's a, (laughs) and and I remember, I think there's a picture of me shaking coach Crean's hand on the way off the court. And that's, it was pretty, pretty cloud nine, pretty, uh, quick and hard to, hard to remember. Well, you scored 16 points in your first game in Assembly Hall. <laughs> you went three of five from three. You guys okay. blew them out. But do you at all? Score uh, Ward, do you have the score up? I will in a moment. Um, do you, you, while he looks it up? Yes, you, 110 to 70. There we go. That's a good oh, game. Oh, wait, no, I'm we... sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. That was the, the Montreal game. Oh, no, the Mississippi um, Valley State game. <laughs> uh, oh, even better. 116 to 65. There we go. You beat him by 51. Quick math. Um, Do you remember at all any conversations with your dad just about the fact that he had a son playing in Assembly Hall and what that meant to him and how excited he was? Man, you're making me feel like I need to shoot. I should have jot this down in a diary or something. (laughs) You need a diary, Um, man. This is it. This is your video diary. (laughs) This is the video diary. Uh, We probably just went out to dinner after and just talked to talk. We had more games. I don't know. We probably just took it in um, like we usually do. And we, and we're on to the next one. That's kind of my dad and my philosophy. Uh, always pushing forward. I, I wonder as you get into stiffer competition and even before the season starts and you're out there playing with, with Yogi, uh, Robert Johnson, James Blackman, Jr., like mm-hmm. I'm sure you cross paths with some of these guys in AAU and Illinois State and that obviously that whole conference were no slouches, but was mm-hmm. there even as a as a upperclassman was there any uh, sort of uh, deer I don't want to say deer in the headlights but just did you ever doubt that you would be able to play as well as you ended up playing? Did you ever question yourself or from the first practice were you like, yep, yep, I belong here? That's a great question, Ward. I think it helped that I was really tested at Illinois State and played against some of the best teams. Now, it wasn't Wichita State every night, but you played against guys like that. You played against Doug McDermott at Creighton. Mm-hmm. You played against the competition, the talent that is in the likes of the Big Ten. Sure, it's just not every night. So you knew you knew you were able to 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 play at that level, um, fully belong and play as well as um, you guys make it sound like I did. You did. Uh, I I don't know about that, but I knew. I just knew I how I worked, um, and how that had always translated at some point, and just keep on going, 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 um, and that's what what made it made it possible. 
Well, the season starts, you go like four and one start, then you lose a couple heartbreakers. You lose to Eastern Washington at home. Never good to lose at home. You lose to Louisville and Georgetown. Georgetown that year, I was at that game in Madison Square Garden. That was a heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you beat number 23, Butler. The Big Ten starts. You're five and one in the Big Ten, including a road win at Maryland, ranked number 13. You play at mm-hmm. Illinois. You go for three for five from threes. And then something, I mean, you're playing pretty well, but then something clicks for you almost at the same time that the team is is scuffling a little. The team goes like four and eight the rest of the way. But from the game against Wisconsin, at Wisconsin, where you scored 19 points. Huh? We lost by 30. <laughs> yeah, you hit five threes. From that point to the rest of the season, you shot 55% from three for the rest of the year. I mean, you were on fire, and you weren't putting up one or two a game. There were, there were a few games where you hit five. You, you were hitting three regularly. Um, did you just feel like you hit a groove midway through that year where you did feel just very confident in your role on the team and, and where you were going to find shots uh, within this offense? I would say so. I think it was just the the flow and the spacing. And at that point it had really clicked on like where you need to be and when um, coach really preached that, whether it was transition or just half court offense, um, just being more familiar with the guys, uh, Yogi, Rob, James, especially, um, and just being, being in the right spot at the right time and all of the work of extra shots um, coach Buckley was, was great with, with me on that. We had our routines, um, and just the, the work throughout the whole off season, fall non-conference and early big tens, you know, cur- you know, season that year, um, just kind of hitting all at once. So, uh, you always want to play your best at the end, right? Um, something that we did the following year too, Yeah. but on a different note, personally to start the big 10 where I think I started four for 35 or something right in those. So, but to your point, you want to, you know, that was the time to do it was at the end of the season, the last half of the big time. Could you talk a little bit more about your, your routines with coach Buckley? Because I, I do feel Mm -hmm. even at the time we all knew he was the secret weapon or not so secret (laughs) weapon that the program had and was a big part of the reason we shot so well and guys came there and developed into, to even better shooters. What, what was his secret sauce? We would always get a, like a hundred makes in ish, make give or take, um, on game day uh mm. this would be a prior to um prior to shoot around prior to shoot around yeah wow. um every every home game you we, individually we or the, the time, whole team me individually wow <laughs> my arm would fall off before <laughs> where's your favorite place to shoot where is your Behind favorite spot on the court? i like that that's a shooter right there man but there is a heat check the right corner is the heat check if you make three or four in a row uh the minnesota game is a prime example yeah yeah yeah. right corner is always the the one where it doesn't matter if you've hit four or five in a row you're going to shoot from there no matter who's on you (laughs) well you did that a couple times too like that minnesota (laughs) game you did not have an open look and you just rose up and drilled it 
Well, that was the game that I finally made shots in. Yeah, it was, I you literally were good. was like zero for eight, I think, against Ohio State the game before. <laughs> what? Well, well, I mean, like I'm sure it's both internal, but also Coach Buckley or Green or your teammates. When a shooter's in a slump, you know, it, it, is there is there any thing it's to do besides just keep going? Hit the hardwood and just keep going, man. You just like keep or get an extra two hundred makes in. Mm. Um, but every time you step in the gym, you have to think you're the best maker, not shooter. Every mm. time, no matter who you're playing against, it's the it's like opposite a game within a game. I would just say it's the opposite feeling I've always had stepping onto a court. Like I'm probably the worst <laughs> shooter here. Yeah. But, not, not probably. We know that there aren't people. There may be people in this place that can shoot slack. as bad as us, but no one's worse than us. Um, all right. So the season ends, uh, you get into the NCAA tournament, which is a wonderful thing for Indiana after the year before. Uh, what was that like selection Sunday, hearing Indiana's name called getting that 10 seed? What was that like for you? That was, that was surreal though. Cause I don't like, I wanted to play at Indiana. I wanted to play an NCAA tournament even more as yeah. a kid. Watch those. You put out a bracket every year. I want to be one of those teams. want to be one of those teams. Right. And getting selected was the best feeling, especially with how we finished the year. Um, wasn't a great showing um, by any means towards the end and um, in the, against my foe that I could just never beat while I was on the court, Wichita State. Um, but, yeah, that was unreal getting to play there and, and going um, just – NCAA tournaments, just unreal, top down. And, and to your point earlier, I would think that just the experience of being there helped for next year when when you're there and things go mm -hmm. a little differently. And we will definitely get into that. But before we do, I just want to ask about a couple of your teammates. Look, you, your team could shoot the ball. Those two teams could shoot the basketball. Crazy. And James mm -hmm. Blackman Jr. is one of the best shooters that we've had at Indiana as well. Yes, he is. How competitive were you guys in practice? Was there a lot of who's the best shooter on this team? Because you had I was the James. best shooter on the team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. James but, and Rob and Yogi yeah. will always forever say that that they can beat me in a shooting contest. And I think James beat me once. I think Rob may have beat me twice. I don't think Yogi ever beat me. Um very competitive to answer the question, I love but I will set the I will set the the story straight. Those guys can do everything else way way better than me, but I have one thing going. Yes, I, you did. It makes me ask the question now. I thought maybe later. Um, a guy who you just missed by a couple of years, a guy who just retired from playing in Europe, um, and a guy oh, who's goodness. a damn good shooter. You and Jordy. That dude can go. <laughs> uh-huh. So you you both go out there. However you shooters do these things, let's say you, you each put up 100. Who's walking away with mm -hmm. the trophy? That is one that I'll be very respectful in saying, I think I come out on top, but I don't hold the record that he holds. We would do a five-minute Five minute, three minute, five minute three point shooting drill with one manager at the end of practice. Make as many threes as you can. My highest, I think, was 82. 
and his was 88. Oh, wow. Let's just put that in, in perspective. We should ask him, though, because if he doesn't – he, I hope he'd remember is the thing. I'm pretty sure his was 88. We're going to do one better. Sometime when we're back, we're going <laughs> to get you down there, and we're going to do this for real. <laughs> Now my arm would actually fall off because I shoot like <laughs> once and it's gone. <laughs> we, we'd have to give him at least another year away uh, from <laughs> from doing that too to make it fair. But we uh, have to. That that's it's just Jordy Jordy's that that guy unbelievable um, and and can do a lot more things on the court again. Another guy that can do a lot more on the court than I can um, on top of shooting his passing. We're seeing his transition left hand passes full court to Cody for a dunk, like yeah. on the money. Like I couldn't even throw a pass left handed before I got to Indiana. So uh, that guy, and and to see what he did in Europe. Did um, you ever cross paths in Europe? No, I never played in Germany. I never played okay. against any German teams. Um, tough league, and for him to do it as long as he did there at the top in the top division. Um, unbelievable i saw his stats dude it's never 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 had less than i think like 44 45 percent in three and I know. 16 per game and four or five assists which but in Europe, like you it's that's it's like, like you you guys are the same person he told us 50 percent was the number he always wanted 50 percent yeah. 50 50 90 yes 50, 50 100 if you can yeah 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 um all right so let's talk about going into year two because it is another kind of, I don't want to call it cleaning out, but but it's a big change again. There's there's mm-hmm. I mean obviously the core stays, but Stanford, Max, Jeremiah, Devin, Hanner, Emmett, all gone. You know six mm-hmm. guys, and except with the exception of Max and Jeremiah, obviously, but Stanford, Devin, Hanner, and Emmett all played. They were guys in the rotation mm-hmm. and played. And income, one of the least heralded recruiting classes ever at Indiana and may turn out to be the best ever when you consider you have three guys that came in that are all guys who have either are still in the NBA or have spent time in the NBA in Juwan mm-hmm. OG Thomas and a transfer class of Josh Newkirk and Max Biefeld. All five of these guys play huge roles on this team that have the mm-hmm. core, obviously, of you, Robert, James, and Yogi. And you mm-hmm. welcome in these five guys who all play part in the um, in the rotation. What mm-hmm. was it like, kind of a new cycle of players coming through? What do you remember about that influx of talent that year at the beginning? That it took time. That yeah. Maui. Yes. OG wasn't ready. Thomas and Yogi didn't fit yet. And Juwan didn't get off the bench much. Right. But that we needed those guys and they developed into such good freshmen. I mean, thinking of like some of the best freshmen, the best freshmen I ever played with. Yeah. And incredible. In all five years. Did you know that OG had in him what he ended up doing? Or did you just think this is a really tall athletic guy who just can't figure out where the basket is right now? So he's always been so goofy. <laughs> so and, goofy. And he needed he needed a little work on some of the, the, the court stuff. Um we were in the weight room in the summer and he couldn't lift 
245 to whatever two plates i can't even do the math anymore 225 he, he was struggling with 225 back squat because he wasn't straightening his back up just didn't have the form down right this dude has the biggest legs i've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> we throw a belt on this kid three rep three sets later he breaks cody zeller's squat record what <laughs> As an 18-year-old. Oh, no. And that's when you know you have a freak on your hands. Like, what is this guy eating? <laughs> Can I get it two inches off the vertical, please? Just give me two. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was when we realized he was just a freak of nature. Um, but when he started making threes and defending yes, um, and playing – in the offense and understanding the offense, that was what took him over the top. Juwan and Thomas already had that. Um, and then when Thomas and, and like I said later, Yogi like worked together, which took time, but they, they were mature about it and figure it out. That's when it, when it hit a new stride. So Maui obviously doesn't go terribly well. Um, get spanked by duke because that's what happens especially at cameron and and i'm just wondering at any point you know you've come to iu with these aspirations as any iu player has um you know what was there was there any sort of panicking going on or there there was a little bit so how did you guys work mm -hmm. work through it How how do you get through a scary start like that and start finding your rhythm as a team I don't know if there was panic as a team. There was panic on my end because I'm like, I'm not coming to my dream school and shitting the bed twice. <laughs> wow. And I really I thought that. a loss in the first round was uh, the prior year. And we'll get into it in a little bit here too, but the Sweet 16 wasn't what we wanted either. Um, but it was it was panic for me. I'm like, this is not, this is not how I'm going out. Um, I couldn't do it alone obviously no one could but we we had to just stick together and and bond through it all um and just keep putting one foot in front of the other other and just work harder um it was a moment of just togetherness from moorhead state on um the notre dame game was was some of it but i don't mm -hmm. put a huge emphasis on that one um, it was, it was Moorhead, it was Notre Dame, it was the ones before Christmas break. And then it was the big 10 start, um, that got us our confidence, um, and well, winning on the road yes. and in well, neutral sites. And let, let's, let's say after that five and three start, I believe you win 12 in a row. You win. And we should have won 13. Yeah. Mm. And you win 14 out of 15, but also you have an interesting season. Cause you talked about your big 10 struggles, at the beginning, but at the beginning of that year, in those five and three games, do you know what you shot from three? The first eight games of the year. Uh oh, well, we played a Maui. You could just put the ball in the rim, and it was going in there. <laughs> <laughs> you shot sixty three percent from three. The first eight games of the year, you were twenty two of thirty five, 
and then and then and then the team was finding itself and then obviously you you struggled a little bit um <laughs> but you did start that conference season 7 and 0 including like you said road wins including beating Wisconsin which is not a team that Tom Crean really beat ever it's not a team Indiana beats ever uh you go to Minnesota at Minnesota, and that is the game where you just lose your shit. I mean, you just mm. lose your mind. <laughs> and I think in that game, you might have hit four in a row. Like, I mean, yeah, you was. was that the zone? Were you in the zone in that game? Oh, I started over three. Um, but then then I got in the zone, made the next five. Uh that the 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 four in a row was quite a feeling. Um Cause it happened and it just happened so fast. Yeah. Um, it's a great feeling when you, you, you watch the Corver highlights of him making four in 30 seconds. And then it's, those are the moments you always, you know, you envision happening for yourself. And in Minnesota, I mean, how weird is it to play in that place? It's, it's a dark backdrop. So it's actually all right. It, yes. It's weird. Like the weirdest thing is I'm such a, like a, I don't know if antsy is the wrong way of saying it, but anytime anything good is happening on the court, I stand up off the bench. You can't stand up off the bench. You have to ju- you have to jump onto the, yeah, the, the floor too, to you know to get hyped. But it's a, that that was the weirdest part. Um, but I had a lot of family there too that game, um, which always always is fun to to have you know in attendance for. When you talk about being in the zone, and you'd mentioned it earlier that the flow of basketball uh, drew you to it over, say, a a baseball, is there something you did, whether it be then when you were younger or in your pro career, to try to create the right conditions for the flow state? The the flow state of, like, the the game in general, like, as you're going throughout the – you talk about being in the zone is the ultimate flow mm-hmm. state. You're you're, oh, okay, you're okay. almost I in see. like a subconscious state of mind, but that that that's sort of the thing all athletes at all levels are always mm-hmm. kind of chasing. But because it's like you're like, well, why did why could I not miss for that stretch of yeah. game? And how do I get back to that? Is is it something you just keep putting in the work? And when it happens, it happens. Or you're like, you know, we've talked to other players who maybe, you know, read a book or meditation and try to create the the environment for that to come up more often. Yeah, in terms of like trying to resemble that in practice, it's hard to um because it just happens when you're least expecting it Hmm. um and it's hard to to resemble that when you're doing like a one-on-one workout just just yourself um but being uncomfortable in workouts leads to that more often um Hmm. and and doing difficult drills or you know shooting competitions can can help to that and then to your point playing scenarios through your head i've never played a scenario through my head hitting five in a row like that but i play scenarios through my head of what i need to do on defense um when this happens when this guy cuts here or this screen's coming at me uh, i play scenarios in my head when um we put in a new set you know the day before a game um and and yogi's gonna go this way and i go that way and he'll either make the layup or shot or I'm open one of the two, right? Those are the ones where 
once you run those scenarios to your head, then you can just step back and just play the game. You've played some of it. There's not, you can't play every scenario. Right. But when you watch enough film and know enough of the other teams scouting a port, then it, then it's like you step back and you just go out there and hoop. So there's adversity that hits that team in the middle of the year. In fact, I would say even before the middle of the year, right before Big Ten season starts. And that's James Blackman Jr., one of the most reliable scorers on the team, goes down with a knee mm-hmm. injury, and then you find out he's out for the year, basically. Um, he is. He's out for the year. What do you remember mm-hmm. about that time when when James went down? And by the way, that's in the middle of your guy's run where you're just starting this 12-game run and about to go go into the, the Big Ten Conference on a run. But what do you remember about that and how devastating that was at the time, just just for your teammate? Mm-hmm. His man, that ACL is a nasty injury, and it's it's you hate to see it for a guy that's so explosive and relies on that explosiveness. Um, another guy that I'm glad is covered from from that and is playing well again, right? Um, you just hate to see your teammates go down. You you it, it's another thing that brings other guys together, and you have to bond together. And it's sounds cliche, but it really is. It's the next man up, more responsibility more time for Jawan OG to get out there, more responsibly putting on Rob. Um, another guy that got hurt later on that we really could have used full full steam at the end. Um, guys like Harrison and Nigo playing, my, my LT brethren right there, um, <laughs> stepping up and, and just giving Yogi some minutes. It was just something you had to – everyone had to, to ante up. Right. Pick it up on the on and off the court, watch more film, study, um, get more shots up and, and keep on going. Cause we were we had started, like you said, kept getting our stride and we weren't gonna let it go. Um and and James was a huge part of that team and um you gotta do it for him too. It, All right. It's, it's go it's ahead. Such an, it's such an interesting season where you're just like on this tear towards the end of it. James goes down, but you're you're still winning to start the Big Ten season. And then there's this, you know, you guys, you guys get ranked. Uh, people are starting to believe. Um, but then in this middle of the stretch where it's like, you know, the killer up at Wisconsin lo- losing in overtime, um, you can go, you go into Michigan and you win there, but then you lose at Penn state. Uh, and then you come back and you beat number four, uh, Iowa. It's like, what is there, is there any time in the season to sort of assess like what the potential of this team is or, or when you're in the heart of it like that and it's up and down, are you, are you just okay when's the next practice like are you like the fans like us ever taking time to be like where are we in the standings where can we get with this or or is that just what crazy people who don't actually have to play do i don't think we worried about rankings we cared about the standings because we wanted to win the big 10 Mm -hmm. we thought we were the best team in the big 10 we had knew we had been hitting our stride we've been playing well and um you know we were we should beat everyone if we play our game, um, and so the standings definitely mattered. Um, after we lost at Penn State, we're like, "How did we just let that one go?" Like, mm-hmm. like the one we need on the road because you don't know what's going to happen. Like at Carver Hawkeye, two games before the end of the season, 
Like, you don't know what Illinois is going to do in Champaign the three games before the end of the season. Like, it's – it's. What if we should lost that one? <laughs> we played so bad. Well, it does oh, set up, Michigan though. State's one thing. Wisconsin, we should never have lost either. I That's probably the hardest loss uh, I've mm. other than the UNC that I've ever had. Um we still only lost three on the road, so we held yeah. home court. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it does set up the end of this season, which is just amazing. I mean, the last five games, you're 10-3 and three in the Big Ten. The Big Ten championship is in the balance. And you guys just go out and win all five of them. And that includes mm-hmm. beating number 17, Purdue. Stop right there. Okay. Because I'm assuming growing up an Indiana fan, you already hated Purdue, but then – Right. And then they beat you twice the first time you got there. So, like, how fired up were you about this? Because this is at the time where we weren't playing them necessarily twice every year. So as far as you knew, this was the only shot you were going to get at them. Were you were you just like, we're not losing this game? We can't lose this game. But I actually (laughs) did not play very well in that game. And I was I think coach made the right choice and didn't play any much in the second half. Mm -hmm. Um. I was so actually nervous. I usually don't get nervous. I'm not nervous in the court, but that's when you're on the court, you're just, you know, you're, you're out there. You have no choice, but on the bench, I was actually nervous when they started coming back. Cause mm. I'm like, I'm not going over three against these guys. Yeah. It already hurts going one for one, one for three over three would have been a whole different scenario. I, but Hey, we got it done. You got it done. And then it's followed. It I, look, man, you're, you're, the other thing that happens here is, like you said before, Robert Johnson gets hurt. He hurts his ankle. Mm-hmm. And that, your minutes had started to dwindle a little bit. There was, there was some spottiness there, some inconsistency. But then Robert Johnson goes down, and like you said, next man up. OG was the guy who kind of saw the opening and Juwan when James went out earlier, and OG turned into what he turned into. Robert goes out at the end of the year, and that opens the door for you to have a bigger role. And all you do at Illinois, 14 points, four to seven threes, and a win. At Iowa, and I want to go back to the Iowa game once I get through this, but at Iowa, 11 points, three of four threes. Maryland, two of five threes, nine points, a win. You're playing a huge part in three of these five wins. Now let's talk about Iowa because that game, the Big Ten is in the balance. If you win Mm -hmm. the game at Iowa, which is not an easy place to play, and they're a really good team, we win the title. And you mm-hmm. guys go in there. I watch. I rewatched the game uh, in preparation. I for watched this. a lot. God, I watched a lot. You stepped on their throat. I mean, you just kept coming. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. what was? What do you remember from that? I I remember that game oh, so fondly. What do you remember from that game? I remember a lot from that game, and uh, so many things. One because I've watched it so many times. Um, yes, over. The end of the first half, Harrison Nego, Juwan Morgan, OG, Thomas, and myself on the court. <laughs> and we finished the half, I think, on like an eight to two run. Yes. To go into something like that. We, or we at least just held the lead. Which, right. An unathletic senior and four freshmen on the court. <laughs> And one was a walk-on. That was one thing, and one was a walk-on. 
that was impressive because Yogi, I think, had two fouls. Yeah. That right there. And then the next part that really sticks in my head is when they got rolling. Yeah. Iowa, like, it's senior night in Iowa City. It's going to happen at some point. We were so calm. Really? So calm. It was to my point earlier, like about it being in the huddle, like after a 10-0, you know, run. Well, sometimes you take one to the chin on a 10-0 run too. And are you going to like get down? Are you going to sulk? Are you going to, you know, be like, oh, we can't handle it. We didn't threat. We just stuck right there with each other. And then I think, well, the shot. Yogi made a terrible turnover like two possessions prior. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and Troy and I said, dude, like he was so mad at himself. Like, mm-hmm. like, why are you in your head? Like, just go, like, be you. Like, I don't even know what I said to him. I just remember like saying something to him. Troy said something to him. We gave him the freaking ball and he won the game for us. Well, Except for that we didn't almost switch at the end and Peter yes. Jack got a wide open yeah. look. <laughs> um, but wait a minute. I that do ask, made me so... Look, that, that Yogi shot was not an example of what I'm about to ask you about, although it was just him stepping into one. Have you ever seen anybody who could be on a dead sprint the way Yogi could and just stop on a stop. dime at the three-point line and shoot a three like that? No, but he practiced them all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for years, so it's not shocking that he's probably the best I've ever seen do it. And on balance, like it's Dockage always talks about it on <laughs> on the commentating. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Dan always points that out, and I, and I stuck in my head because I've watched you know him do that you know on repeat for years. Yeah, I think he made um, a comment in that game about if they ever build a statue for Yogi, it should be him pulling up for three at the top of yep. the key. Yeah. Yep. There it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, he's fantastic. And you'd said, you know, and and we talked to him about it and other teammates. But what did you see in him as as a leader compared to the year prior? That obviously he elevated his own game mm-hmm. on the court. But what was it about the leadership you saw in him that really helped get you guys to be in that position? So I say this a lot about Yogi. Kevin, I like to call him Kevin sometimes. Um, he is one of the smartest basketball players I've ever played with. Mm. He's a 42-inch vertical, and that's not his best attribute. He can see the game before it's mm. happening. We sat next to each other front row and film room all year, our senior year. And the stuff that I took from him was just light years beyond what I could see on the court. Maybe that's a point guard being a point guard, but um, – that is what people I don't think realize is how he could see the game and knew where all his teammates were on offense and defense mm-hmm. and a transition, all three facets of the game and how he led. He, he got after Thomas early in the year, right? Thomas didn't handle it very well, but he had every right to get after Thomas early in the year, but then he figured out, okay, I can't talk to Thomas that way. Mm. I'm going to, approach him differently i'm gonna pull him to the side i'm gonna pull troy to the side if i need to talk to him he could cuss me out all he wanted i don't he never did but he could if he wanted to he just how he got how he connected with his teammates that's awesome he had all that figured out 
Mm-hmm. All right. I've been waiting for over an hour to talk about the Maryland game because Woo! it is. We were free. <laughs> you were free. You we were, were free fun. To just go win. <laughs> but it also is the game. I mean, honestly, Nick, this is in my top three plays of all time at Indiana. It is. Oh, I love high. this play so much. So you're on defense. The ball goes into the lane. They try to kick it out to the guy you're guarding. Was it Trimble that you were guarding at the time? Okay, yeah. You tip the ball, and it starts to fly out of bounds. Walk me through what you do from that moment to what ends up being an immortal play at Indiana. Just launch it to the other end of the court. <laughs> Just launch it as much as you can because it's going out. You can't, you got to save it to the other end. Because, Why but in your John head, you know, <laughs> but you know, in your head, like, don't save it. I can't put the ball on this side of the bucket because it's their side. So, of course. yeah. But you kept it in play and you hit Juwan in stride over his shoulder better than any quarterback could have done in stride over a defender as he is sprinting to the other end of the court. And then he makes an incredible layup, by the way. The, the layup yes, was is. awesome. Very. And but, his shoulder was up high out of his yes. at that time, I think, too. And it is just such a unbelievable play. And you react immediately like it is an unbelievable play. Do you remember that? <laughs> on the on the timeout? On the timeout. They, oh, yes. they had to call a timeout. Yeah, they had yeah. A, yeah. Um it, I just didn't think the ball was gonna stay in bounds. I thought I like over rotated and threw it like at our bench. Um and then I just see Juwan catch it. I'm like, why were you there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I mean it I'll take is... it. It is one of the more remarkable plays that I've ever seen. And I remember watching it live and losing my shit about it and doing, I've watched it a bunch since, but then getting prepared for this podcast, going back and watching that. It was such a, look, you had won the big 10, right? At Iowa. So this was like the conquering heroes coming back home to Indiana Mm -hmm. for senior day, which is your Mm -hmm. senior day. You know, you and Mm -hmm. Yogi, it's an important class You brought a Big Ten championship back to Indiana, and then you cap it off with this cherry on top of this remarkable play. Take take us through, I mean, the feelings of, like, the game itself, I I think we're tapping Mm -hmm. on, but but then, you know, this is it. An IU fan growing up, and you you made these two years count for all they were worth. What was going through your heart, your mind, and when you're giving that speech? The last game the only hard part was we had already went 16 or 17 and 0 and we wanted to make it an undefeated home record for our senior year mm. that was probably the hardest part we already had the big 10 locked up and goodness because we would have had to clinch and go undefeated at home We've been a little different pressure right but that was what we just we we wanted to be that class that held home court wow. i mean it's assembly hall it's the best place to play a home game other than a one. We can maybe talk about that later, but um, <laughs> being able to take that court for the last time, family there for it, 
the crowd, um, electric atmosphere. Um, I do feel that there's something like that. That won't ever go away. Um, and to do it in a stomping win, even more, you know, icing on the cake against a ranked team. So um, the the speech was a great part too. Um, you never want to go, never want to give that speech on a loss. So no, it's the worst. Go in, go in the game. Yeah. Um, and and just honestly, the best way we could have we could have went out. It was amazing. So, now in like, your senior speech, that, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, no, the senior speech. <laughs> no, I love I loved your senior speech, and one of the things I loved, especially at the beginning of it, was that you made a point to thank all the former players of Indiana. You pointed up to the Big Ten titles, and you said there wouldn't be twenty two of those without you. You pointed to the five banners and said there wouldn't be those. And, you know, you're a guy who had played, you grew up loving Indiana. You, your dad went to Indiana. You played for two years at Indiana. And it meant a ton, I think, to the fan base to hear you pay homage to the guys before you. Because as you know, as Indiana fans, we love our former players. It's such what, mm -hmm. what separates us is what mm -hmm. we think separates us. And I just thought that was such a classy move on your part to to do that mm -hmm. that it's one of the senior speeches that that sticks out in my head as i think back on them i mean it's the history right like you go to indiana to play for championships that's what i went to indiana for it wasn't a big 10 it was a national championship we didn't get there but we gave it our all to do so um without five national championships no one's going to indiana maybe they are but I don't think anyone's going to Indiana for a natty. That's not their like, you right. know, end all be all. And that was that was mine at least. Um, thought it was the right, the right way of doing it, and uh, being able to meet so many there while I was playing and now um, post playing, it's we're we're all one, right? We all wore the candy stripes. Love it. Can it, you it, talk a little bit about uh, the guys who came through, maybe one or two that really made a lasting impression on you? It's awesome just to see Laskowski always there. Yeah. Um, just fantastic when whatever batter could. <laughs> always there, right? Um, he was, that was the main one that I just, it always stuck with me. He was in the locker room after games. Awesome. Um, seeing how we took it, whether it was a win or loss. Um, I mean, there's there's many more. I'm trying to think of the games where they'd come back for their, their anniversaries. I mean, they're right. out there on the court during our timeouts. Like, that's the coolest thing ever, mm -hmm. that they're back. Like, don't know if they do that for Big Ten championships, but yes, uh, we do. You know, yes, we do. You'll get we one. get out there here soon. Oh, <laughs> you got yeah. a 10 year. You that's got a 10 year up. coming up in a few you got years. A 10 year. Yeah, oh, man. That's soon. <laughs> it'll, it'll be easier to get there from Chicago than Greece or Italy. Yeah, that's much true. Much easier. Now, much easier to get there. Now, let's talk about the NCAA tournament because the year before, I imagine you're just so happy that you're playing in the NCAA tournament. You're realizing a dream. Mm -hmm. This year, you're the Big Ten champs. You know you're going to be in the tournament. There's no question about it. Like, there might have been a little bit of the year before where you were a 10 seed. And this year, you get hosed. I mean, you just get totally hosed with the seed. and Terribly hosed. You win the Big Ten at 15-3, and three, and you're given a five seed. And Kentucky is given a four seed. And everybody in the world knows 
They just want to see Indiana play Kentucky. We're not playing them anymore. We, mm-hmm. And we know that that's 100%. what it's set up to do. You played, you got to beat Chattanooga first. You go, you take care of business. You hit three threes in that game, play really well, nine points. You win that game. And it sets up this just unbelievable rivalry game, one of the best second-round games you could ask for, even though it shouldn't mm-hmm. be happening, against the shouldn't rival be. that you have not been able to play since you got to Indiana because Kentucky tucked their tail mm-hmm. between their legs after the watch shot and decided they didn't want to play anymore, a bunch of pussies. But anyway, uh, so you get to play Kentucky. What do you remember about just the preparation for that game? What do you remember about Tom's kind of mood going into that game and what it meant to you to play Kentucky? Um, well, let's make this one count. Um, we knew we were better. Uh, we proved that on the court. Yeah, they had more NBA guys, but we were, we were better on the offense, defense, and in transition. Um, (laughs) and we had the best point guard in the court. Uh, they can be upset with whatever they want to say there. But Alex Poitras is actually one of my good friends. I played with him in Fort Wayne and, um, I don't want to talk too bad on Kentucky. No, but so I mean, Yogi was one of the best players in the country. And he, he was, he was. And Coach Cal is great from from the stories you've heard from Coach Crane. Um, but but Yogi was just the best guy on the court that day. And Thomas and OG might have been right there behind him. Um, it was an awesome game, electric atmosphere. Uh, I love Des Moines because of it. Yes, um, you played a you played a Iowa. ton weird game for you because you typically when you kind of look back at your career the game logs if you logged a lot of minutes in a game like more than like twenty let's say it's because mm-hmm. you were probably filling it up like you were having a really good game <laughs> that game True. just the opportunities weren't there nearly as much but you played a shit ton of minutes in that game part of it is because mm-hmm. Robert Johnson was still dealing with the ankle injury but you were yeah. you were a beast on defense in that game like you played great defense huge and you did hit a huge three in that game too but but a weird game for you right that you 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 just had to take on a different role because the opportunities mm-hmm. to hit wide open three or to hit threes and even have any space weren't there in that game what mm-hmm. do you remember about your own personal role in that game uh, just to, just to be locked in on offense and defense. Um, there was a little something that happened before the game. Um, a Kentucky player that shall not be named, um, tried me, um, while I was stretching, talked a little smack. I'm a fifth year senior. I wasn't going to let that fly. Um, I think I was wanting it too much on the offensive end. I think I, I didn't let, let, like I said earlier at award, like, didn't let the game just, you know, black out on the offensive end. But right. I'd watched so much film leading up to that game on on defense. Could have named out the plays because mm-hmm. um, I knew I had to start against a future NBA all-time player. So um, it was just being locked in because um, you didn't you didn't want to let your team down on that end. Offense was going to take care of itself. Was it? Was it Jamal Murray? It might have been. Yes. <laughs> so look, F that guy. Yeah. F that guy. You and you, but, wait, wait. Let's keep on him for a second. Sure. Because OG shoved a fucking size fifteen up his ass at the end of that game, right? Like, I mean, OG just took him out of his game at the end of that game. OG guarding a guard, which made no sense. I was like, how is this going to happen? 
You guys mm-hmm. smacked them in their mouth, right in their mouth. That was so mm-hmm. satisfying. You so you satisfying. were saying you were so confident that you guys were a better team in all aspects. So did that come from that film study where you were just breaking them down and you were like, we're better than them? We had really locked in to film at that time of the year. Um, and so that that's one part of it. Um, but two, we just knew we were playing our best basketball. Um, we, we knew how to help each other on defense. Um, we knew our assignments and the offense. Well, we, we just could be stopped offensively many, many times until the next round, obviously. Um, well, but, I mean, but you scored points in that game. I mean, look, that, that game was yeah. more about, I mean, North Carolina was the best team in the country that year. I mean, they, they proved Man. it. But but wait, rough, I want to talk. One, but... I want to talk about the end of that game because one of the things that the Kentucky game because one of the things that is most impressive about that team, it's the same thing against Iowa, by the way, in a close game. There are so many college games. It's not like the NBA or professional European uh, basketball. In college, the last two minutes of a close game or three minutes, it's freaking ugly for the most part. There's really not a lot of scoring for the most part. It's a lot of fouling. There's usually a lot of free throws. It's defenses Mm -hmm. win the day. But at the end of that Kentucky game, it was just execute. Yogi driving, dishing to Thomas Bryant Mm -hmm. for a dunk. OG Mm -hmm. wide open, you know, open in the corner off of good offense. It was just awesome. It was a Mm well-oiled machine, what you guys Mm -hmm. were playing like. It was so satisfying as a fan to watch that because you're like, this is what an offensive system looks like. Guys that know oh their role. It had to be fun to play in that. And that can execute on a dime. Coach yes. would put in offensive sets the day of the game mm. and we'd execute them that night. Coach would put in a play on timeouts. I mean, I mean, ATOs after timeouts, they were a constant with Coach Crane. It's an NBA kind of like um, strategy, right? You would draw it up. One, be like, I don't like that. Drop two, oh, I don't like that. Drop three, we'd go out and execute it. Mm. There was a play, I think it was a back cut. They're playing a horn set that he drew up um, in that second half. I think got Yogi wide open for a layup on Tyler Ulis. Awesome. Looking the wrong way. I think Colin Hartman even played the point guard on yes. that play too, which was why we could play all different positions. Maybe not me. But uh, <laughs> most of us could play all their positions um, and execute on a dime. And to your point, well-oiled machine. So, so you beat Purdue. You won the Big Ten championship. You ran Maryland out of the house on senior night. And you just mm-hmm. beat Kentucky to punch your ticket to the Sweet 16. What was the mm-hmm. plane like? What was the plane ride like on the way home? Yeah, I mean, get, mm-hmm. like, I mean, just get, get us into the, the euphoria. It really hit when all the fans were at Cook Hall waiting for us. Yes. That was, that was, we came through like a tunnel through the front door of Cook Hall back home. It was fantastic. Um, We, we also knew we had more work to do. (laughs) We didn't like, still thinking now we should never have got the one seed next, but um, it is what it is. We knew we had to go to it. Um, It was, uh, work wasn't done yet. And uh, we we enjoyed it, but it was it was in check, if if you're asking me. 
Yeah, yeah, because I wonder, like, okay, we're going to give ourselves this night to just be totally giddy and then back to work in the morning, or is it even as you're through a throng of thousands of Hoosiers losing their mind, you're still got to stay locked in? It wasn't like we went out and just partied like that. I went back to the apartment, just chilled. We were so locked in then that we just dialed it in. Uh, But it it was – I wouldn't say we were – already watched a film on UNC. (laughs) We were were like, okay, we got to get to him tomorrow. Um, But, you know, be smart, be mature. Let's let's be professional about this. That was also the game, the the North Carolina game. So you go play North Carolina. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that because I hate it and I don't like it and I don't want to talk about it. And I did fly to Philly. I did fly to Philly to see that You see the pattern, Nick? That Nick, every time Eric says he showed up at a game, you guys lost. You see the pattern? (laughs) It's true. It is absolutely true. Uh, but I was 0 for 2 that year. Was yeah. not in Des Moines. Nope, was not in Des Moines. Uh, but oh, that man. game also, look, they're really good. They scored 101 points. We scored 86 against them. But they also had what's-his-ass, who never hit a three in his life, like just go off and hit like five threes in that game. Who was it? Like Marcus Page. Marcus Page. He was oh, not a three-pointer. It pained him to say that. Don't ask him stuff that physically hurts Nick to talk. But I mean, like, well, look, I played was... him a year later in the G League, and he went zero for eight. Oh. and I went four for five. So it's like I'll pay anything to switch these games. But yeah, it is what it is. It's painful. I've never watched that game again. No, uh, no need, no need. People have no said need. like you should watch it to learn from it. I'm like, I'm never watching that again. All right, look, we've kept you for an hour and forty minutes. We want, we <laughs> want to have, oh, but we have, we have your entire pro career to do. I want to invite you to come back for a part two where we do your pro career, because I, you've got to have good stories of European basketball and living in different cities and language barriers and all that. <laughs> I want to get into Hoosiers. that, That's but we have enough. to, we enough. have to end like we do with everybody who spent time in Bloomington with some Bloomington centric questions. Number one, right. favorite pizza. Mother bears. That's the right answer. That is um, the right answer. N- well, and you can give us two, one responsibly at either time, but as, as a upperclassman or now as somebody returning as an alumni, what's your favorite mm-hmm. watering hole to get a beverage? Um, I'd probably say I'm I'm still Roy's, um, but I actually have only been to Nick's once, and that was last year after the Illinois game, um, and that was a blast. So, actually, I've been to Nick's twice. It was to watch. You were there. Nova versus UNC from the Natty that year that we uh-huh. lost. Um, so I don't like that day. Yeah, but then, not a good yeah, day. I was at. Wait, you were you were at. At Knicks after Illinois last, last yeah. year? Yeah, and guess what happened at that game? We lost. Oh, you didn't see me. Uh-huh. No, didn't see you. I do think I saw you at – I think I did see you outside of the bathroom. My over here. I mean. Outside of the bathroom. That's where I think I saw you. I don't want to get into it. Um, all right, favorite restaurant in Bloomington, not pizza-related. Favorite restaurant. Oh, man. Um uh it restaurant i it's hard to choose between um buffaloes and feast i don't know feast uh i i would go more now i couldn't afford in college uh it's like a oh i mean then again you got uptown too oh man yeah. 
a lot of good, good choices. choices. Good, you're hitting all the right answers. a lot the night before a game, so I'm partial to that. Yeah, I get that. What was your least favorite class as a student at Indiana University? Um, the toughest was probably the Excel course. That was the um, I couldn't even tell you the the number because it was grad school. Um, I had to go to, I was all online through the Kelly direct program and I had to go to office hours for that class. Cause I was just not great in Excel at the time. So, and now I use Excel every day. So, well, <laughs> there you go. and obviously he was an undergrad at the time, so it probably wasn't as difficult, but when Cody was on the show, he, he's such, he loves Excel so much. He said he, during his NBA draft interviews, he would talk about Excel with some of the guys that, on the different NBA oh teams. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Giant <laughs> he nerd. Did that. He probably giant. like, he just geeked out on him. Yeah. <laughs> he's a giant geek. Giant geek. <laughs> All right, Nick, look, man, Wait, it's getting no, late. Yeah, no, we can't leave it with that. What we have to leave it with is, especially now that you're back in the States, you got working man hours. Yeah, sure. What's going on down there in Bloomington? What do you think of this new coach they got and this team they got mm. this year? What, mm-hmm. give, give us your expert opinion. Man, we're early. So um, I like what I saw. And, and the reason I asked the question on what we scored in that Mississippi Valley State game was because it was in the hundreds. Yeah, I uh, like seeing Indiana teams in the hundreds against teams that you're supposed to beat. Yes, by that much. Yes, so, um, totally. I, I like where we're trended right now. Um, I really like the, the buzz. Um, I enjoy, I it was fun seeing the game last year and Coach Woodson and staff and their energy on the sidelines. It was really nice to be literally right behind the bench for that to take it in. Um, I'm excited. I, I I love the buzz down there, like I said prior, and um, I'm anxious to see how Friday goes because road games are where it matters. So we've if we win on the road this year, we'll be good. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Road games, when you win on the road, you're a good team. Good, you know yeah, uh, that separates the the men from yes. the boys right there. Well, That's and exactly even right. against the the early season cupcakes, you, we've had plenty of years and plenty of games where it's like, okay, we beat them by 16. But when you, mm-hmm. you double them up and you break 100 and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what the other great teams do against those teams. Mm-hmm. And, and like, we just haven't broken 100 much since you left, Nick. It's true. <laughs> that's true. Wait, I, I'm going to ask one more. Did you ever have to do the towel drill with cream? where he put a towel on the rim and then two guys just had to go wrestle for it. No, no, that was who, what team was that with? Like the 12, 13 will, will she, he do that? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. All right. Probably like will and Troy do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nick, I'm so glad it's look, it's, it's taken us too long to have you on the show. I loved watching you play, man. I love the emotion and the passion that you played with. You represented Indiana so well on the court and off the court. Uh, followed your international career over the last several years uh, because I just loved everything you brought to the team for two years. And we don't win a Big Ten championship and get to a Sweet 16 without you. You are the best shooter that we've had in the last decade on this team. And uh, it's been, although Jordy Jordy will will take some exception to that, but yeah, there we go. <laughs> you and Jordy, it's good company to be in. 
Good company to be yeah, in. Great. You, you were best. just you were such a joy to watch play, man, and you've been a joy to talk to. And I hope we get to like go to Knicks together in Bloomington next time mm. uh, we're both there. There we go, man. That was a guest. That was a guest. I just want to point out a couple things that he said that that stuck out to me. Ward. Okay. All right. I'm not coming to my dream school to shit the bed. Put, I mean, put it on a plaque and right. put it in the locker room. Um, that was, I just love that. That is just that mentality. Like, I mean, and look, and some of it is, is bravado, not bravado, but like he can't control everything. But as far as what he was going to control in his mind, he wasn't going to shit the bed. He wasn't going to let the team shit the bed. They were going to win this thing. Love that. And I love how he talked about like not dreaming of hitting like four or five threes in a row. He talked about it envisioning. Like he would use that word envision a couple times, not dream, which I just think is the difference between like me and somebody who's a high end athlete. Dream is just like, it's never going to fucking happen. Envision is like, no, I can see it happening. And he saw it happening. Well, and there's, you know, a whole school and practice devoted to the uh, the power of pre-visualization of like really visualizing those things happening and making it more likely to happen when you're out there doing it. Um, and, and I think, you know, look, my dream school, right? We, we've been talking to a lot of more current players. That's that's where a more contemporary show now as we've gotten to talk to so many of the legends. And it is a little bit sad that there's not you know we don't we don't talk to too many of the younger players who grew up where iu was the dream school right and that he was just old enough to remember the the you know coverdale and and dane and jared getting to a championship and his father was an iu guy so he still had that even though he was he was born and raised across the border and boy i hope um this is the kind of season that plants a seed for for kids all over the Midwest, if not the country, to like come back into like IU was the school I always grew up watching because they were always on and they were always beating Arizona and North Carolina and Xavier. Yeah. And, and I love I loved Jalen Hood Shafino and I love yes. Trace Jackson Davis and and that made me want to play there. They played so fast and shot mm-hmm. threes and big men brought the ball up. And yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Like well, and, and he talked about, you know, he was talking about like the, the I mean, we were all, all talking about the kind of depth that team had his last year where you lose James Blackman Jr. for the season and you have a hobbled Robert Johnson and you still get your Big Ten championship and your Sweet 16 appearance. Like it, it often requires that kind of depth to be able to overcome bad luck. I mean, look at the talent on that team. Including Robert, James, Nick, Yogi, Thomas, OG, Juwan. That's eight guys that all played professional basketball. Yeah. For a long time, all yeah. of them played professional basketball or still playing. Yeah. Many of them. It's remarkable. That was a that was a really fun team. He's a really cool dude. We got to get him to Bloomington and go out with him and smoke a cigar. Well, and another thing I'd like to point out is his emphasis on it was a two-year process. Loved that. And and hopefully we're in year two of a, of a year two process. But in the, uh, we yeah. want it right now, especially because we're a fan base that hasn't had much of it lately, that I can see a lot of what happened last year um, feeding this team. And like his team, some really talented freshmen showed up. 
uh, and that that you know you just you're desperate for the parallels to keep going throughout the season and and maybe even further. But it's one where it's always good to hear from the inside. Like, yeah, no, it it takes a while to bring together a squad that can hang a banner. That team had Yogi, Robert, James, Nick, OG, Thomas Bryant, who could all shoot threes. I mean, all of them. All of them were more than like 30s. And then you have Troy Williams on that team. And you have Colin Hartman. Everybody on that team could shoot a three. Everyone. Yeah. You had, well, good Troy could. Bad Troy couldn't. Yes, but I'm saying like, you had to pay attention on some level because he, you know, I mean, he, it's just remarkable the the amount of shooting that was on that team. Cream put together some offenses that were just awesome. Oh, they, it was also they, funny to hear him say we couldn't guard a chair. Yeah. Cause they were that, that was the great quandary of the Crean era was just some of the most fun offenses that were really ahead of the curve and really kind of trying to do what golden state was doing and just like keep moving the ball keep it spaced and just filling it up but then when you don't have it all at the other end there's only so far it's going to get you and look it got you a couple big 10 titles yeah and, and that's yeah, and look those teams played better defense i mean og changed the defensive mindset of that team you know i mean there was and yogi could play some d and obviously vic and cody played d well, and, and, you know, you are talking about some the talent and athleticism that's off off the charts. But totally. it, like we, you know, even even in the best of times with those teams, there wasn't like a great I, I would say it with Cody and Vic's teams. It, oh, we we can shut these guys down. But it was always just like, man, we're just going to have to outgun these guys because we can't count on stops. I'm just looking at Ken Palm from that year. Our offense was the sixth best offense in the country. By the way, the first best offense was North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Our defense was 59th. Yeah. See, that's just North North Carolina 21. Yeah. Okay. Now let's go to 2012, 13. Our offense, number two in the country. Pretty good. Defense, 19th. Good enough. Good enough to win a title. I mean, good enough to win a title. Okay, let's not go down that road. Follow us on Twitter <laughs> at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.